Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Christmas recap, a Christmas movie recap, our final Christmas movie recap, and our final movie recap of the year. In oh. a year that has brought you such classics as Gigli, Batman and Robin, <laughs> 2012, and Renee Russo Month. I can't remember half the stuff. No one remembers anything they've done in 2020. It's the year that we will always forget. We are closing it out with what is often regarded as one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, a little movie called Elf. I don't know if I'm allowed to say little. That might be offensive, but hey, <laughs> they're not L stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're little people um starring will ferrell uh directed by john favreau and it's funny on the day that we are recording this we just did our mandalorian finale <laughs> spoiler review episode download that now that was released a couple of days ago so it's john favreau's super sunday uh we also did a john favreau movie this year but we won't talk about it we've also got james <laughs> calm we've got zoe deschanel mary steinbergen bob newhart peter dinklage um lots of other people in this movie and I'm going to be interested to talk about this one because I don't want to say what I'm about to say until I say after my <laughs> opening line. Um, I will say that right now, which is my name is Ben. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Oh, no. <laughs> Fine. My name is Colin and you're a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Fine. I'll go with my backup. My name is Ben and I love you. I love you. I love you. Santa! Uh, um... I had only ever seen this movie once. I think I, I mentioned last week I saw it on a plane, I believe. I was flying somewhere and I just like, oh, I've heard so much about this. For some reason, I'd never seen it. I watched it. I wasn't blown away the first time I watched it. I was kind of like, eh, okay, it was fine. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. I'm going to say right now, I enjoyed this a lot more on my second viewing. Like, I actually walked away from this going, okay, I think I like this movie. Like, And again, I think this is similar to what I talked about in The Grinch, but maybe on a different level that like, the Grinch to me, I probably would have binned if it wasn't for Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey made that movie a rent for me because Jim Carrey owns that movie. Will Ferrell is maybe better in this than Jim Carrey is in The Grinch. Like, oh yeah, easily. Will like this? Like, I love Will Ferrell. I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan. But like, I like he's amazing in this movie. He makes this movie his own, and it's backed up by a pretty decent script, a story that for the most part sort of makes sense. It's a bit silly and a bit weird in points, but, like, I was expecting this to be a lot weirder and more silly. Like, I feel like The Grinch and The Elf are the completely opposite for me in this month, is that The Grinch, I was at the same vein, and I went into it going, oh, that was a lot weirder and odder than I thought it was, but Jim Carrey makes it brilliant. This is kind of like, oh, maybe not as odd and weird as I remember it was. This is actually quite good. So I don't know if I'm ruining this episode now, thinking this is going to be another bag out of movie that people like, but I actually kind of like this movie now. <laughs> Well, trust me, I'm going to be bagging this movie out a little bit. Uh, not, not because I didn't enjoy it in any way, but because I'll completely disagree with you on the story and the script. I think that there's uh, some pretty big missteps uh, that uh, this movie suffers from that people ignore because of how good Will Ferrell is. And oh, you know, I, I'm 100% behind that. Like, I enjoy everything about this movie. I don't think my opinions changed on this movie that much. Uh, we, we sort of started this month giving our opinions on Elf, and we both sort of said, it's fine, it's, it's all right. You know, we enjoy it, but it's not like a classic for us. Uh, I always thought this was weird because when I saw this, I, I really enjoyed the movie. There wasn't anything I disliked about it, but I didn't get like that. This is a classic Christmas movie vibe off of it. I saw it probably 
three times prior to watching this over what is it now 17 years mm. uh, so maybe every couple of years i'll watch this but it's not like i'm ever going on my way saying i have to watch elf oh it's on tv let me check it out oh somebody else is watching it let me watch it um sitting down and watching it this time there's problems with the story and people are going to hate me for this um problems in the execution i'm going to say but the humor really does erase all that so I'm not going to have any negative opinion about this movie. It's not going to affect my rating in any way. Will Ferrell owns this movie more than I think any other comedic actor had. I'm trying to remember, maybe let's say since Ace Ventura. Mm. This is like a, a once every decade comedic performance. I think Steve Carell had it with the 40-year-old virgin. Will Ferrell had it with this. And, and people were familiar with Will Ferrell. He was the star on Saturday Night Live. That was the reason I wanted to see this movie in the first place. I didn't see it when it first came out because... Will Ferrell had done Night at the Roxbury. He'd done Old School. Both were good movies. Both were fairly well-received. He wasn't a proven movie star. I got excited seeing that Will Ferrell was going to do this goofy comedy where he played an adult elf. But you do get the vibes of, is this going to be something like uh, The Tooth Fairy with The Rock? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Could this be a complete disaster? When the reviews started coming out and the movie was making like tons and tons of money, like more than any Christmas movie made in a long time, I'm like, maybe there's something to this movie. I didn't see it until a year later when it did come out. And again, really enjoyed it. But I just, I never got that classic Christmas movie vibe from it. Uh, but I, I think I appreciate Will Ferrell's performance in this and what he brings to this movie so much more now that I've had to dissect how little everything else in this movie should work. So as much as I think everybody, especially right now, is giving John Favreau credit for everything, I'm going to say you cast a different actor in this. You cast Jim Carrey in this movie. I don't think it works. I think you needed Will Ferrell trying to prove himself, trying to do something completely different, something so innocent but so uh, inappropriate at the same time and just finding that that perfect middle ground in his performance that I don't think anybody, I don't think Will Ferrell could have pulled this off two or three years after this. And I think this was written for Jim Carrey in mind from what I've read and seen. I believe, oh, really? I think that Jim Carrey turned this down to do The Grinch. And I realize that was three years beforehand, but from what I've read, this was written with Jim Carrey in mind. And like, this is kind of, I think we said this in The Grinch, that it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's one of those roles where you just can't really imagine anyone else doing it. And, like, as much as I love Jim Carrey, it would have been completely different had Jim Carrey done this. And, like, Jim Carrey's mm-hmm. got a more of a goofier style of comedy that, like, I don't think he would have portrayed that innocence. Like, I mean, you think of Jim Carrey's innocent characters. Uh, I mean, you know, Truman, maybe, but, like, that's a completely different type of movie. Even maybe Lloyd Christmas is sort of innocent, but he's also a yeah. massive douche. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't like, I, I just couldn't see it. And like Will Ferrell is just perfect for this. And like, yeah, he'd sort of had a few of those roles. Yeah. It was Saturday night live, but I mean, I think we mentioned last week, it was kind of maybe old school and this, it really put him out there. And then obviously you had a, like Anchorman was the following year, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I think one of those acquired taste actors, uh, maybe not on the same level as Adam Sandler, but you know, I, I know a lot of people who don't will not watch a movie like this cause they can't stand Will Ferrell. Um, mm-hmm. I said somebody during the week, like, I'm watching Elf. And they're like, oh, Will Ferrell, I can't watch that movie. Um, but, like, there's just... I, I implore people who even don't like Will Ferrell because there's just something about... And I, I thought he got nominated for a Golden Globe for this, but he didn't. Um, I think he should have. <laughs> this is like Brendan Fraser yeah, and Bedazzled all over again. Like, <laughs> like looking at who got nominated uh, in the Best Musical or Comedy, so Bill Murray won for Lost in Translation, Jack Black for School of Rock, Johnny Depp for Pirates of the Caribbean, Jack Nicholson for Something's Got to Give, and Billy Bob Thornton for Bad Santa. Come on, <laughs> stop making Bad Santa happen. Like, that <laughs> is a movie that is overrated and rubbish. Like, 
if you had to choose an actor from a Santa movie that year, make it Will Ferrell in Elf. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, just I don't know. Like it's it's we it's going to be interesting to talk about the story because like it I think it makes more sense than The Grinch. Um, there's not that there's not problems, but like it's kind of one of these movies that I watch where it's almost like a check your brain at the door. Like the moment I see him talking to like a claymation snowman and a bye narwhal and it's like, hope you find your dad. Like I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, it's one of those movies. Like it's a bit dumb. So I'll, it's kind of like George of the jungle or something like that where it's like, okay, sure. Like I get it. I'm not meant to be completely into the, the absolute level of this seriousness of it. But, um, I don't know, like it's and it's like the casting in this movie is so good. Like you've got some talented people in this movie that just make it work, um, and it's it's just kind of got a tone about it where it's fun and mm-hmm. I, I just I like this probably won't go up there as a movie that I like. My Christmas go to movies generally every year is the Santa Claus and Jingle All the Way. That's legitimately what I'm like. I have to watch these movies, right? Um, and like Jingle All the Way is a much dumber movie than this. But like oh, yeah. I enjoy it, um, and this might go up there now. I don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be a ranty episode, and we're going to have some fun here. But um, I I just I like the fact that I had fun. I'm glad I appreciated this <laughs> a little bit more on a second time around. Uh, and again, I'm not saying I, I didn't appreciate this any more or less. I just I I kind of came out liking the humor more liking will ferrell more but liking everything else a little bit less and i think it's it's when we're getting get to the other cast i'm not denying that everybody's good in this movie for what they have it's just i feel like this is why i worry if jim carrey had been in this it would have been completed because jim carrey will steal every scene he's in yeah and i, I almost feel this feels very jim carrey like to me where maybe will ferrell was so on his game that they didn't bother to let everybody else shine as much as they they could it's gonna be more story things later on and underdeveloped relationships particularly like how much we're supposed to care about his relationship and his dad just all of a sudden coming around later on. I'm like, there is nothing to set this up. There is nothing to set up the brother, the girlfriend. They they have, you know, I don't know, two minutes of interactions with this guy and everybody's willing to go to bat for him. That's the stuff I don't quite buy later on. Uh, but the, the goofiness of this, I'm 100% behind. This is so similar to the Santa Claus for me uh, in that it is portraying a children's fantasy about what Christmas is but they're putting an actor in there that the adults relate to and humor that is 100% appropriate for kids, but it's the Pixar style humor. It's like, no, adults are going to get jokes that kids aren't going to get. Kids are going to get jokes adults aren't going to get. Uh, so I can see why this movie has become the classic that it is. Yeah, and I like I agree with you. Like you, The point you make out about the story about, yeah, it doesn't make sense at all, so they go into bat for this guy and everything. But again, like maybe I sort of see that, like again, great comparison with the Santa Claus. It's sort of like, well... I mean, do we just automatically buy that a guy falls off the roof and he becomes Santa and then like, oh, would he really get his kid taken away from him just because he believes he's Santa? Like kind of things like that. We're like, well, that makes no sense. Well, like, come on. The relationships is what the Santa Claus, I think, sold better. You got the tension between him and his ex-wife yeah. building consistently. Whereas in this, it's like they just flip a switch with every character where they're suddenly behind him. But they flip it in montages. I think that's, we'll get to that later on, but I feel like montages hurt this movie a little bit. And well, the one thing I actually will say though, is that this movie feels more like an adult film than a kid's film. Yeah. Whereas like Santa Claus and the Grinch and Jack Frost More kids. are very kid movies. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're watching a kid jingle all the way. It's a kid's movie. Whereas this, mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like this is more of an adult movie that they, kids can probably I mean, there's nothing really in this movie i feel that kids can't watch 
Um, but like, I feel it's it's much more targeted at the older audience, and I don't know if that's well, because it's it's a Saturday Night Live alum kind of in it. Whereas like, you know, obviously Tim Allen, Home Improvement, much more family. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger at that point had sort of gone a lot more kid friendly movies, hadn't he? So yeah. You also, I think people lose now. John Favreau's name at the time this came out would have meant an adult movie because following yeah. this, he's doing Zathura, Iron Man, Cowboys and Aliens, Lion King, Jungle Book. Uh, Mandalorian even is stuff that is more targeted towards the younger audience. But at, at the time that he directs this movie, he had only directed one movie prior to this, which was made. Uh, and he'd only written two movies, which was made and swingers. And I don't know if you've ever seen swingers. I've never but that seen was like a, it Yeah. It's a great movie. I mean, him and Vince Vaughn broke through by co-writing this movie together and co-starring in this movie. Uh, and it is an R rated, you know, nineties hipster comedy. Uh, definitely not what you would expect. And I remember when this movie was coming out, seeing Will Ferrell, who I associated Saturday Night Not Live would be the tame stuff that he had done at that point, you know? Uh, and Saturday Night Live is a late night show. And John Favreau coming off of Swingers and Made, I, I kind of assumed this would be more of an adult film, but the trailers are misleading because it, it does present it. You think it can go one way or the other. And I mm. think I'm glad that this movie does, like you said, gear a little bit more as an adult audience than the Santa Claus did. Uh, whereas the Santa Claus is just a little bit more kid. They both are open to be enjoyed by both audiences more so than Jack Frost, as we talked about before, but this is a little more adult and yeah, Santa Claus is a little more kid. And I think we, we talked before about John Favreau uh, that, you know, I think we're both fans. I, I like him as an actor as well. I, I've always enjoyed yeah. him as, as sort of an actor. Um, and he's I, like, he's just, He's not someone where automatically you're like, oh, he's terrible or whatever because he's brought you the Lion King or that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, he, I think he's done he's more He's forgiven. Good, <laughs> I think he's done more good than bad as John Favreau, if you look. I mean, The, the Jungle Book was pretty well, decent. 50-50. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do Cowboys and Aliens over in 007. I've never seen it. Uh, I mean, he did Iron Man, which is great, then Iron Man 2. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's kind of, yeah, he, he's like the, wasn't it the thing with the Star Trek movies that like every second yeah, one was a good one? Yeah, odds every, and evens, yeah. Yeah, so he's the Star Trek sort of, of <laughs> filmmakers basically uh let's get into this movie we, we want to bring you a christmas treat and bring you a nice succinct episode uh also we've already done our best of so we can't do anything good this time to make it nothing from this <laughs> let's make be the terribly best unfunny yes for the first time in our lives we will be unfunny um <laughs> so uh we start off and we get uh, everybody's favourite uh, every man. No, it's not Tim Allen. It's Bob Newhart, um, <laughs> who, like, I, I mean, we all know who Bob Newhart is. I don't think I was ever old enough to watch his sitcom or whatever it was. But, like, he's literally the same in everything, right? That's the joke. Yeah. Like, he's kind of this sort of level-headed because, yeah, every time I see him, he's the same. Yeah. Mumbling, soft-spoken, but funny. And I like him. Like, he, he seems... Good. I think maybe I would like to watch his sitcom because it like he, he seems like he's a funny guy. So here he is. He's the narrator and he's basically telling the story that essentially in Santa's workshop and the elves, no one's ever been there. No humans have ever been there except for one time when Santa accidentally brought a baby home. <laughs> it's at a bender. Here he is. Brings, bring the, <laughs> brings home a little baby. Um, I, I like this kind of like opening bit where he's basically like, um, oh, we tried with trolls and we tried with gnomes, but no, they couldn't do this. Um, and so that we learn that uh, Buddy the Elf basically has been raised by elves at the North Pole. And I love the size of this workshop. It is so small, and yet we're meant to believe that <laughs> this is the entire globe's output of toys. 
Um, I like some of the things that I really like about this is like just kind of some of the little jokes. Like, so in the Santa Claus, we obviously have like Neil as the voice. Like, it's just not possible. How does one man go to all around the world? And like, they, they try and explain it. This one, they kind of do the opposite. It's like, do you realize down south, some people don't believe in Santa? What? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do they believe in? That their parents give them the gifts. Who would believe in that? <laughs> they just wouldn't have the time. Like, things like that. <laughs> all the arguments you normally make about Santa Claus, they make about parents. Yeah. Well, who's drinking the milk and cookies then? Mom yeah. and dad? <laughs> like, I love that kind of stuff. Like, just this is where Will Ferrell's so good. Just like, he's just got this level of innocence that is just so, so great. You know, like, this is a weird thing to say, but bear with me. I honestly think that a person who would have done this better than Jim Carrey would have been Adam Sandler, because Adam Sandler can kind of pull off that almost like innocence. Like, think about the water boy. Like, he's kind of got that innocence Ugh, level. I don't want to. You don't like the water boy? Ah, oh, I hate that one. <laughs> Come on. That's one of his best. Um, and, like, I won't often put Adam Sandler above Jim Carrey, but I think that Adam Sandler could have played this character better than Jim Carrey. But having said that, I don't want Adam Sandler in this movie. I want Will Ferrell, <laughs> and we've got Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of discovers uh, that he's not uh, an elf, that he's a human. <laughs> um, you know, he's, like, showering in a tiny little shower, like, sitting on <laughs> knees like he's in a school and basically <laughs> riding bikes and going through doors that are, like, giant. Like, I just... It's kind of odd, but I love the way they like kind of have these like the way they, they do the scale of Will Ferrell and the elves. I like when yeah. he's making Especially on Bob Newhart's lap. Yeah. And I love the etch a sketch thing when it's, it's just like I've had a bad day. How many have you made? Eighty five. <laughs> and you think you're like, Wow, that's a lot, but then you see everyone else has made like five thousand yeah. or things. Yeah, he like, says like, so you're only nine hundred and fifteen off target. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um basically this all borders down to um this is who your real dad is. Uh you need to go to this magical place called New York and you're gonna find out who it is. Your mum's dead. Again, doing this better than surviving Christmas stars. We've already explained his family within like five minutes. We don't have to like keep this as a surprise to drag it on. Um other little scenes I love here. I, I just I don't know why I laugh so hard at the Jack in the Box thing. Like it's so <laughs> stupid. He's going on there for like five minutes. It's literally the same joke. He's like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it doesn't go off, and he puts it aside. And he goes, <laughs> like, things like that aren't funny, but they're funny. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. Um, and then like just the randomness of them when he's got to go and he, he runs out. And he's all like, oh, I'm not a real boy. I'm not a real elf. And then we just get random snowman and random, what does he say? Like, not now, Arctic Puffin. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is where it's just, it's just, it's odd. Like, I'd say he's John Favreau and that on some crack in this because then basically it leads to him journeying to New York City on a sheet of ice. <laughs> Which, uh, the thing I like about it is that they kind of explain this later on when he's telling everyone in New York, like, so first I went through the sugarcane forest and then I went there <laughs> and then I was in the Lincoln Tunnel and now I'm here. <laughs> like, I don't think it's meant to make sense and that's where I think it's kind of funny. Um, and then I just love it when he shows up in New York. <laughs> I, I always love a good fish-out-of-water movie, like... Crocodile Dundee, Jungle to Jungle, like, let's fit in where we don't know what's happening. Georgia <laughs> like, the Jungle. Georgia the Jungle. Like, I love these guys, like, waving for a taxi. And he's like, hello, how are you? And then, like, he walks past that shop and it's, like, world's best coffee. And he's like, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? It's like, you have the world's best coffee. Good for you. <laughs> Bye-bye. 
Brendan Fraser would have been great in this character. Yes. But yeah, like, that would work. Blast from the past, Brendan Fraser. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, holy stars. Uh, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I got into trouble for that. Also, like, when he's told, like, don't eat the gum on the thing, he just, like, starts eating the gum off the subway mm. platform. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> he's, like, running around the um, the spinny doors. He vomits. Um and he goes to the Empire State Building. Now, I'm just going to say this right now. I am weirdly obsessed with the Empire State Building. I've always loved it. I love skyscrapers, and it's always been my favorite. And I've done school project after school project. I built an Empire State Building in primary school. My first engagement, I proposed on top of the Empire State Building. Um, <laughs> I love this building. Every time I go to New York, like, I am there. It is just it is such a beautiful building. Um, so he goes to the Empire State Building, uh, to which he goes to meet his dad. I love the elevator when he's like pressing all the buttons. It's like it's, it's like, like a Christmas, Christmas tree. And then when he closes the door on that one guy, it's like, wait, I didn't give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> like usually this is the type of character that would annoy the shit out of me, but it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he shows up to his dad's office played by James Khan, and he believes it's a Christmas gram. <laughs> and it's like, wait, you're here to sing me a song, aren't you? Yeah, I'm here to sing you a song. <laughs> You're my dad and I'm here to see you. <laughs> and I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh, it's so good. He gets kicked out, basically. And what is he like? He's told to go to Gimbal's, like back to Gimbal's, essentially. Uh, to which we... Who's this guy? Who's his, this boss guy? Um, he's off things. The one who's like, Oof. you've got to go back to work. Why aren't you at work? Yeah, this is uh, Faison Love. Uh, he was in, um, no, I recognize him now that I'm pulling up the picture, uh, The Replacements with Keanu Reeves. He was, oh, uh, right. Yeah, one yep. of the one of the, the brothers. Um, yep. Yeah, he's been, in, he's been in lots of stuff. Been in lots of things. Um, also, one, one bit I absolutely love, and like this is one of my real laugh out loud moments, is when he's walking across the street and he gets hit by a oh, taxi. Yeah. <laughs> that was the hardest I laughed the whole movie. <laughs> I think it's just the way he falls into the taxi. Like it's just going yeah. like so much of these shows where people get hit by a car or a bus. Like it's it's you're meant to believing that a car or bus is going full speed at, at, like out of nowhere. This one is just literally, <laughs> and then like later on when he says that line, like be careful of the yellow ones, they hit you. <laughs> <laughs> and also when he's like gets the perfume and he's like Nyeh! like a child <laughs> and he doesn't like it and uh the the one like i remember they would always advertise this as being on tv every year at christmas and the one scene they would always show in the ad is a bit when um phase on loves basically like we've got santa coming tomorrow and he's like santa! <laughs> <laughs> like i love that scene so much um he meets Zoe Deschanel, your favorite. Uh, apparently, you don't like her. Yeah. I have nothing against her. Um, what's wrong with her? There's nothing wrong with her. Like, here's the, the only thing is, is that she is the exact same character in every single movie. She's just blonde in this one and has elf ears. Like, <laughs> I think she she's one of these actors who she does what she does very well. Yeah. Uh, the movie she made with Joe Scorden Levitt, 500 Days of Summer. I love 500 Days of Summer. And and I think she's great in that movie too. But she's, again, playing the exact same character here. She's always just the slightly quirky, alternative girl. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see any range with her. So I feel like I can deal with her in this. I could deal with her 500 Days of Summer. Uh, when she does this, I don't know, a dozen more times after that, I start to tire of it. I do get it. Like, I mean, she she was one in New Girl, right? That was her. That was her show, yeah. wasn't it? Um, probably the only thing I really know her from outside of those is um, uh, Yes Man. 
uh, where she, I mean, again, is basically <laughs> the same character. <laughs> the exact same character. But, but like, I don't know, like, it's kind of maybe, like, you know, bring up Adam Sandler again. Like, you know, he's basically the same in everything really, isn't he? But you kind of, if you appreciate them for being the same in everything, I think you like them. I mean, Will Ferrell is kind of the same in everything, right? So, you No, know, completely um, fair. But I th- yeah. And I think that's why what you mentioned about, you know, oh, there's people who don't want to watch Elf because, oh, it's Will Ferrell. I mean, I get that with Will Ferrell sometimes. But it's because after a while you go tired of the same act, which is why it's good. You know, Will Ferrell has Anchorman Will Ferrell and he's got Elf Will Ferrell. And it just depends on which one you're tired of at that moment. Yeah, and like it's, I think kind of that's the appeal for their fandom. That's why people watch. I mean, we just mentioned Bob Newhart. I mean, it's kind of that. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, people love Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld's not different in anything. Um, like yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's, what is the deal with me being the same in everything? Like it's just kind of <laughs> it's it's that. But um, yeah, I've I don't really overthink Zoe Deschanel. She's there. She's she's okay. Um, she exists. <laughs> she's there. Uh, so Will Ferrell meets her. He then decorates Santa's workshop. And meanwhile, um, James Khan, because when Buddy was basically like, you're my dad, he mentioned like one name of his like one night stand. So he then goes into the den and is all like, oh, yeah, remember that girl I fucked in college? Oh, she was hot. Um, I, I must have had a kid with her. That's kind of where the story <laughs> is a bit like, okay, that just gets there. And maybe I'll just cap it here at Will Ferrell creepily singing um, It's Cold Outside with Zoe Deschanel in the shower. <laughs> And he wakes up the next morning to see James Khan staring at him in the window and he's going to get into a fight in a minute with Santa. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's just start here with the first... I'm not going to call a plot hole, but just the first thing I question having to take notes in this movie. Santa's delivering presents to an orphanage. I buy that. He's delivering presents to the nursery in an orphanage. Maybe that's important, but I'm, I'm sorry. I have, you know, a four-year-old and I have twins who are now about to go into their second Christmas. <laughs> you you don't spend any money. about to go into an orphanage. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> that's why you don't hear them right now. <laughs> <laughs> We've finally um, decided to put them up for adoption. <laughs> but I mean, you, we spent money on Casper's first Christmas and then you basically realize they don't care what it is. Uh, so by the time we had the twins, you don't spend any money on their first Christmas. To me, wasting... Where's mine? Oh. How long would you like a kiss? <laughs> Thank you, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> you 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 don't want to waste money once you once you've done this once. I don't know why Santa's delivering presents. These are just stupid babies. They're not going to know there's a present or not. <laughs> that was stupid my babies. <laughs> yeah, we well we we sometimes joke around about that with the twins. We're like, you know what? They're just stupid babies. They don't care. <laughs> I can't it's, wait for your kids to grow up and listen to your podcast. You call I them know. names. You say they're stupid babies. I know. I think I mentioned on a past episode of my favorite games is to like call them worms or snakes or dirty rats. You call <laughs> Come them here, chubby, you little like, maggot. Don't you call them names? Like uh, speaking Hatties to them and call them like. Oh chubby. yeah, with Remy speaking DB uh, Jedi, DB <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like to me, it's just a waste that Santa's delivering presents to this nursery because the babies aren't going to know. Uh, but I, I love the way that John Favreau creates this fantasy. This is going to be a very odd comparison uh, because the obvious comparison would be the Santa Claus. But w- one thing that I thought of when you were talking about the Santa Claus, about how it's different for adults and kids, is that the Santa Claus grounds their um, their fantasy world, their North Pole world in reality. That's part of the joke of the Santa Claus. Like, oh, realistically, there would be this. There would be technology. You know, we would have people working on how do you prevent Santa from burning and all that. That's part of the appeal of Santa Claus where this says we're going to embrace the fantasy of this to such a ridiculous level that 
you you have to suspend disbelief, like you said, with the narwhal and all that. Uh, but John Favreau actually does a really good job of creating this as its own world. And the weird comparison here is Superman the movie, hmm. where uh, the original Richard Donner one, where you're on Krypton and it feels like a completely different movie from when you land on Earth because suddenly it becomes very grounded in reality. And I actually really like that, that this first 20 minutes of the movie feels like a completely different movie. Uh, and some of the things they throw in there, you know, like the the sitting on uh, uh, Bob Newhart's lap and all that, you know, th- there's great visual gags in there. But even just the dynamic of these elves interacting together is hilarious. Uh, like you said, the, the checklist is like, all right, so I did 85 or whatever. And then everybody's so super nice to him. Like nobody wants to say you are the world's worst elf. In the world of the Santa Claus, they're saying you're the worst wealth elf ever. I mean, they do yeah. that to each other, right? What was that? The Santa Claus too. It's like, it's you're 900 years old. Time for you to grow up. You know, uh, This is just such a like rainbow forest, cotton candy world. Like, everything, the uh, lollipop land that they go through. They, they 100% embrace this so that by the time you get to New York, it is like, culture shock which again is exactly the same thing superman the movie did when you get to metropolis and clark kent is fish out of water so odd comparison but i, I like the superman the movie parallels that john favreau was going for here um the the thing with will ferrell like just how absurd the idea is that parents give their kids presents um <laughs> uh, another another comparison i don't feel like we're doing the santa claus again that uh oh, you know, i thought always. of here was uh, the, the santa claus has that that great moment where they explain why there's uh how would Santa Claus be able to get around the world in one night? It's like, well, a lot of people don't celebrate Christmas. Like, they bring reality to that. Whereas this, they're making a joke out of it. It's like, how would parents be able to give all the parents to or all the presents to all their kids in one night? Like, they're just playing the exact same Santa Claus joke. Uh, that's actually really funny. Uh, the claymation characters, I mean, this is straight out of the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, special, which um, the, the snowman especially is like, this is the opening of Rudolph uh, the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, which it is funny too that they ended up making, a, uh, I guess, a TV special out of this that did not become such a classic, uh, where they did Buddy the Elf sequel as Claymation. Uh, so yeah, bringing that Claymation thing in again, just completely grounding it in like the fantasy world of what people expect the North Pole is. The line, uh, oh, first of all, the Jack in the Box. I don't know if you read the trivia on that, but that is uh, uh, probably a little bit exaggerated, but it is authentic reactions from Will Ferrell because John Favreau had these on uh, basically remote controlled and Will Ferrell would re- be reacting when John Favreau would be like, okay, now's the time I want to surprise him. So this is Will Ferrell's real reaction to this, which is kind of funny. Uh, w- w- the cotton headed nitty-, nitty muggins. Like I, I love that line. We-, we-, we talked about this. I think it was in airheads, the absurdity of insults in movies. Yeah. I, I mentioned like an airheads, Dick cheeseburger and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, what was the other one in airheads? I really liked, uh, you look like half a butt puppet. Like it, it does in my head, this doesn't make sense, but it sounds funny. That cottonhead <laughs> nitty muggins. I thought it was just me. So when I Googled it, there are people who are obsessed with the term cottonhead cotton nitty muggins. Have we got a t-shirt and the works in cotton, cottonhead oh, nitty muggins. Next Christmas. It's going to be have a merry Christmas cottonhead nitty muggins. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned all my favorite parts too. Like the getting hit by the car is one of the best visual gags ever because he's singing like humming the the tune to the sleigh bell. Boom! You know, you're lighting people on fire. Mine might be people getting hit by cars. Yes. Because like that's like a thing. Like if I'm playing Grand Theft Auto and I'm not doing any missions, I put it on first person view and I just run people. Oh, I love watching him flying towards your windshield. 
I don't know if we talked about this. Uh, I think it was two years ago when we covered Die Hard. But did you ever play the Die Hard video games? Oh, years ago. Yeah. Die Hard 3 was basically. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. It, the Die Hard 3 one, the Die Hard of Vengeance was basically crazy taxi, Grand Theft Auto, whatever you want to call it, where you're just driving around in a cab for the whole movie trying to collect the bombs. And while you're doing this, you are running over people in the park. And it, like the whole game is basically innocent people's blood being splattered on the windshield. You know, it's, it's, it's not a realistic game in any way, but they'll even have people on the radio over that. It's like, are you trying to hit these people, McLean? <laughs> <laughs> you would love that game. Uh, let's, let's just, let's do a video of uh, me watching people being set on fire and you watching people being hit by cars. Yeah. Yep. Just like, for we're driving Patreon, around Winnipeg and you're throwing lighters out the window, like burning people <laughs> as I run them over. Uh, so yeah, the, the first appearance of James Conn, like this is one of the things where I say it's really underdeveloped now that I'm watching it again. Cause I mean, I love James Conn because I love the Godfather movies. Uh, when we did our best of all time I and mean, the Godfather was in my top 10, uh, might even been my top five. I don't know. Uh, and James Conn is like the scene stealer of the first Godfather movie. who's nominated for Academy Award for it. He's great in so many different things. He had done Mickey Blue Eyes a couple of years earlier than this, which is a guilty pleasure of mine with Hugh Grant. And I, I feel like he has the same amount of screen time, but really just had a lot more fun doing it and was able to have his own character more. They set up this character in a way that it doesn't deliver where they say your dad's on the naughty list. I mean, the Santa Claus too delivers more of Charlie's on the naughty list than James Conn on this because he's just a guy doing his job. And I feel like James Conn probably could have had more fun with this because of what I saw him do with comedy and Mickey blue eyes. Uh, but the, the way that they're like, uh, I think it's one of those like, you know, Christmas gram things. And when he even says later on, say, uh, you know, uh, aren't you like a Christmas gram? Christmas gram. What's that? That sounds like fun. Like, every time you hear something new, that sounds great. I want to be part of a Christmas gram. Uh, and yeah, his singing is great. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he just made the, well, this is Will Ferrell making up the song too. I love Will Ferrell uh, singing in anything. Like Will Ferrell, yeah. like just is, is kind of, it's one of those, like he's not a very good singer. I mean, he did all right in Eurovision. Eurovision, apparently the movie yeah. on our podcast. But um, he he's just, I don't know, like he's just one of those people that when you hear singing is just hilariously good. I just, I love mm-hmm. Will Ferrell's song. Uh, the department store thing, um, I'm going to have some issues with this later on too, but I love Phase on Love here. Like I, I did, it's funny, I didn't recognize him from the replacements because this would have been filmed a couple of years after. He lost a lot of weight because mm. in the replacements, he was the bigger of the two big guys. Yeah. And here he, I mean, he looks like, pretty much average size you know so uh good job we want the phase on forget about um uh what's what's the diet plan that i shared with you this week uh oh penny johnson, penny johnson gerald's. Gerald. <laughs> yeah forget about penny johnson gerald's 50-day diet challenge i want the phase on love workouts uh no, sorry. We'll make, we'll I, I like phase on love but if i'm working out for 50 days of penny johnson gerald i'm there uh yeah I, we're not gonna we're not gonna be working out during it well we are but uh <laughs> <laughs> I want Sherry to yell at me. Come on, yes. Sherry. Get all um, get all powerful on me. Come on, that's it. Get, you know, ambitious. I want to see you want to become president. Oh, that's it, Sherry. Yeah. I want you to, like, I don't know, do something really corrupt and, like, ruin one of your children's lives and yes. your husband is in the process. Ma- make, make your assistant want to sleep with me. Come on. <laughs> Give me some Palmer drama. Palmer drama. Coming soon. Coming soon. Network in 2021. Palmer drama. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> uh, phase on love uh, drama. No, it doesn't have the same ring. Oh, phase on what a name. Phase on love. That is a what pretty a epic name. Like that is. Yeah, a good is it name. real? It's. A, I. I, well, I hope so. If not, I'm calling my first kid Phase on. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. So Faison his Warworth. real name is. His real name is Langston Phazon Santizima. 
Okay. Uh, so the love right. part of the face. Um, yeah, he's Cuban American. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see some of the other movies he's done here. Elf, The Replacements. Yeah, Made. So he's a John Favreau guy. Couples Retreat. Lots of Favreau stuff. Oh, Couples Retreat. Um, Love that movie. Yeah, I only saw that once. Uh, funny, another Couples Retreat. Uh, the, the director of Couples Retreat, Peter Peter Billingsley. Peter Billingsley. Another John Favreau collaborator, Peter Billingsley, who has a cameo as one of the elves at the beginning of this movie. He's the kid from A Christmas Story, which is like the BB gun movie. Yeah, uh, you'll yeah. shoot your eye out. Love that movie. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, lots of uh, Christmas crossover here too. I just want to give some breaking uh, news. Mallory, who's in the other room right now, is just texting me saying we are not naming our children Phazon. So, uh... <laughs> you know that I had this conversation with Jamie about Pierce. I had Jamie convinced on Pierce as a name, and she knew who Pierce Brosnan was. She she'd watched all the James Bond movies with me. She, I had her sold. I'm like, if we have a boy, it's gonna be Pierce. If we have a girl, it's gonna be this. And she's like, okay, I'll be okay with Pierce. When one day I said, oh, yeah, you know, if we, we have a boy, our boy's going to name Pierce. And I said, because it'll be named after Pierce Brosnan. She goes, no, I'm not naming my kid after Pierce Brosnan. If I had just shut my mouth, Casper would be named Pierce Hilding right now. <laughs> well, I'm telling you now, I tried to sell Madonna as a name. She won't have it. Uh, not even as a middle name. I think I've sold her on Enzo as a middle name, uh, named after Enzo Ferrari. But I, I like Pierce. Pierce Enzo Waterworth sounds quite good. And then his initials would be Pew. So I could go. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> um, thank God your last name doesn't start with a B. Pube. <laughs> that would be a U, Colin. What is? How do you spell uh, pube? We should also Peb. Pube. 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 Colin. Pube is P U B E. Pube. I'll be honest. I don't even know what a pube is. So I a just pube heard is somebody the hair say that is near your genitals, <laughs> and the genitals are the part between your legs that create babies. <laughs> I'm sure if you literally went to Jamie right now and said, Jamie, show me your genitals, you would not be finishing the rest of this episode. <laughs> Finally, she just heard you it's say been it. 10 years. She heard you say it. She's already banging down the door. Yeah, Jamie um, always shows me your genitals. What can I say? <laughs> oh, dear God. No. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Bob Newhart. Like, I also was too young for either of Bob Newhart's shows, but I know that people always talked about the finale of his second show as being like, the most brilliant finale ever because they did a twist where he wakes, he up, wakes up, he wakes up and realizes that this entire series was a dream of his character in the first series, which is a clever idea. Uh, but yeah, Bob Newhart's, you know, he's funny for what he does. Uh, maybe he's just not for my generation. Uh, James Conn, you know, obviously he, great. I don't know why we always forget as Ed Asner. And I say, we, not you, Rossi and I did uh, all of the other reindeer. Uh, an animated special that Matt Groening did uh, that Ed Asner did the voice of Santa Claus in that. And I had done all this research and realized that Ed Asner has played Santa Claus something like somewhere from five to 10 times in his career. Wow. Like he, Jeez. this is, this is the guy from the Mary Tyler Moore show who was like the prototype of, you know, the sitcom boss, his character got a spinoff and everything. I mean, massive star. And he's now made a second career as playing Santa Claus in multiple movies multiple voiceovers he is santa claus so i mean not just out of elf this guy this is his career and i think it's the way he interprets santa claus here is so great because he's not playing it like despite the fact that everything else in this movie is embracing what the fantasy is of the north pole and all that he's just playing santa claus like yeah this is my job you know whatever oh there's not enough christmas spirit so let's attach a rocket to this thing uh (laughs) a little bit like you know tim allen in the santa claus uh, but, Which also, uh, can we just point out, sorry to jump in again, that um, James Kahn, he was in Santa's Sleigh, 
apparently. Who was he? Fran was Dresch, he? Was he Fran Drescher's husband? Was he? Maybe was he in Santa's sleigh because it says he was uncredited in Santa's sleigh, but I don't remember him uh, in Santa's sleigh. I don't sleigh. know. Uh, is that the only other Christmas movie he did? Maybe because, like, I I don't because I think Fran Drescher was uncredited too, wasn't she? Santa, I always mix up the titles. Is it Santa Slayza or Santa's Slay? Santa's Santa's Slay. Slay. All right, Santa Slay. James Con. So we have covered James Con in a Christmas movie before. We've J- Jim Carrey has not been covered as much on this podcast as James Con in Santa movies. Yeah. Well, you're right. Actually, no, well, he's, it says he's that maybe he's the dad of the kid who gets decapitated. <laughs> um, because because <laughs> Chris Catan, I think, actually was Fran Drescher's uh, was involved in that Fran Drescher scene because I remember getting excited over Chris Catan. But um, yeah, it says James Khan was Darren Mason uncredited. Then you have got Rebecca Gayhart as Gwen Mason. Oh no, hang on. Maybe they were because no, they were a Mason. So Fran Drescher was a Mason. Were, James Khan was a Mason. Chris Catan was a Mason. <laughs> So yeah, all it's all opening the opening scene. scene. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at a still right now of uh, James Conn with what looks like a burnt turkey in his entire mouth or something. We got to revisit that movie. Like, that, that is... That movie. Oh. That is the shining light of Christmas movies. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, and let's be honest, the only reason that even came about was because of Lost and Emily DeRaven. And, like, it's been And you found out Winnipeg was in it somehow. Yeah, We're, it's been a year since we have uh, done a Lost episode. I feel our Emily DeRaven love or hate has, like, died a slow death. <laughs> but, like, seriously, <laughs> Emily DeRaven, <laughs> Bill Goldberg, <laughs> Fran Drescher, Chris Catan. It's like the expendables of Christmas movies. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Absolutely love that movie. I, I want to rewatch that before Christmas. Uh, anyways, just uh, yeah, oh, a couple of things I want to add here. The um, uh, the department store stuff. I think that there's some editing out of sequence here because he stays up all night decorating this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we see Zoe Deschanel in the, in the shower where it's clearly the next morning and she even says, oh, the water was out of my apartment or something like that. And then we see him asleep in the window. Now, is this supposed to be the opposite? Because it just seems weird that he's up all night, she's in the shower, then he goes to sleep for, what, 30 minutes before the store opens? Well, but doesn't he say gone? that? Doesn't he say at one point that he only sleeps for like, like he literally has that joke at one point where he's like, they're like, oh, did you get a full night's sleep? He's like, sleep, I only sleep for like 30 minutes. Or like he actually says it at one point that he uh, only sleeps for a short amount of time each day. I miss that. I, I still think the sequence would make more sense if it was played in the other order because it yeah, just seems no, weird I, that I he agree. wakes up. I do agree. Yeah. Like I didn't think about that. That is a good point. But um, uh, did you talk about the Santa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mentioned yeah. that, uh, and the the fight next day. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, I capped it just before the fight, but please okay. get into the fight. The, the Santa, Santa thing, like you smell like beef and like, <laughs> cheese. You smell like you beef smell and cheese. cheese. Every time Will Ferrell mentions what something sm- smells like, later on we're getting to the mail room. It's like it smells like mushrooms in here. <laughs> oh, he's so good. I love this man. He's so funny. Like, I like everything in this movie. I think that this movie is at its best before they try to tack on a climax that I don't think they had a clear idea on. <laughs> so the first two thirds of this movie, I'm 100% behind it. Uh, the the singing, uh, Zoe Deschanel, she's actually released a couple of albums. She's got mm. this, uh, I guess, duo. Uh, uh, there's one song she's of hers that yes, I know. Yeah. Sorry. Did she also in that? Yeah. She I had like that. a band. That's where Jim Carrey kind of meets her. Like, she, yeah, like she go, he go. well, he meets her at a gas station. Then he goes to see a band. Um, they were called like, Mexican by proxy. I've got a couple of their songs actually on my iTunes because they're actually kind of cool songs. 
Mm. I mean, she, she has a legitimate music career. Like she's been doing it as consistently as she acts. So she's not one of these actresses who's like, I'm going to release one album, you know, and then it doesn't sell and they just give up on it. Uh, but I know one song of hers very well. Uh, it's it's uh, from a franchise we brought up very uh, uh, several times, at least on another podcast of ours. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, she does the, the end credits Stop theme making song. Winnie the Pooh <laughs> This is what happens when you got a four-year-old and, and one-year-old twins. You live Winnie the Pooh. You live Peppa Pig. You live well, all of the other stuff they watch. She's uh, Grammy nominated Zoe Deschanel for her song <laughs> from Winnie the Pooh. Holy crap! It's a it's actually a really good song. Like like you should listen to it. Uh, it is the baby's favorite song. The twins are obsessed with the not even so much the movie Winnie the Pooh, just the song at the end, which is wow. a fantastic song. So Does she I'm going to give her Kelly a shout out. Carly Simon does uh, different Winnie the Pooh movies. They, oh. they, I guess they alternate. Carly Simon was on pre uh, this Winnie the Pooh movie. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Winnie the Pooh soundtrack's a guilty pleasure of mine, mostly because I have children, not that I ever would have listened to it otherwise. Um, yes, Man's a good movie. I, I, I Underrated Jim Carrey I rem- movie. You know, I only saw it the one time, you know, not long after it came out. And I do remember of like that dark period of Jim Carrey's career thinking like, this might be my favorite post fun with Dick and Jane movie he did. I think, I think Jim Carrey, Bradley Cooper together is a good combination. Um, I, I love me some Bradley Cooper. So, you know, uh, Will Ferrell month, back to back with Jim Carrey month. There's a good solid oh, yeah. two months that we can have. Followed by Adam Sandler month. Come on, <laughs> make it happen, Oz Network. <laughs> um, I love this fight. <laughs> like, I just love the smell like beef and cheese. <laughs> You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> He's just got so many good like one-liners. Like I feel like Anchorman's the one movie that gets all like you know I'm surrounded by a cave of whatever it is, and you know that escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> where's the sitting on a throne of lies? Like I want, that. I want well, I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins use more. <laughs> this fight scene specifically just the lines he gives like you're sitting on a throne of lies you smell like beef and cheese that is what i always remembered best about this movie everything else is like oh yeah now that i rewatch i'm like oh yeah i remember this part i remember this part never forgot this like this is what this movie was for me for years i'm pretty sure a night at the roxbury made my top 50 favorite movies of all time it did yeah yeah like that is just and i like i i will be honest with you like i often forget that's a will ferrell movie because it's kind of like it's pre will ferrell will ferrell like i think of that more as a chris katan movie because i love him but, like, together, they're so good. And obviously, like, the original Saturday Night skit had Jim Carrey in it, so it was kind of a shame mm-hmm. that we didn't have all three of them. That would have been even more epic. But, um, like, there's there's lines in in that that I often, like... I, I discovered that movie when I worked at Starbucks as a 19-year-old, and I remember kind of in our training group, there was this guy and this girl who, like, just quoted A Night at the Roxbury to Death. And I had not seen it at that point, so I think... I was out that weekend. I saw it in like the DVD bin for like five bucks, bought it, fell in love with it. And then I got all their quotes. <laughs> Emilio! Emilio! <laughs> Mr. Mighty Ducks Man The Mighty Ducks Man! <laughs> you two are brothers? No. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so good. And every time What Is Love comes on, it's just the... Mm-hmm. Duh, Oh, that is their song now. Nobody, nobody doesn't do this. It's like uh, Bohemian Rhapsody after Wayne's World. Oh uh, yeah, you don't go into the musical part of that without the dun dun. Yeah, you have now associated a song forever with Saturday Night Live. I remember, I think it was last year when Mallory's mum was in New Zealand. We were on some sort of road trip and we were listening to Queen. And I remember that came on and I started doing that. And they looked at me like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> 
And I'm like, they never saw Wayne's World. Wayne's World, like I think, like <laughs> wasn't that one of the scenes in Bohemian Rhapsody that you bagged out when Mike Myers says like, no one's going to be banging their heads in a car to this and use the car. Yeah, like, that's oh, hilarious. So Come on. No. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to skim through a lot of this because like it's just. You know, it's not like we have to nitpick the artistic merits of Elf here. Um, <laughs> so basically he gets fired from his... wasn't even a job at Gimbal. He just got forced to work there, basically. I like it when he sees that present there, like something for someone special. Yeah. So that he buys like this sexy lingerie for James Gunn. Random character I love in this movie, the secretary. I love her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when she pops her head. It's like, oh, what's that? And he's just like, intercom. <laughs> Um, I also love like this shot that Jon Favreau does with um, Buddy in jail the way it kind of like zooms in on him between everyone like working out and he's just like looking and he's got like even just when he's not saying anything Will Ferrell just his innocence about him and then when he gets like let out of jail Dad! Officer Smith! (laughs) This is my dad! (laughs) So good Um he gets taken home and we meet um, Clara herself from Back to the Future. She's got rid of yeah. Doc. Mary, is it Steinberg? Am I saying her name correctly? How do you say her Ste- name? Ste- Steinbergen? 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 Clara from Back to the Future 3. Yeah, uh, Clara. <laughs> and uh, their like son, a, Charlie. Yeah, Ch- Charlie. Is it Charlie again? <laughs> yeah. Um, is it really? No, like, it's not it- Charlie. No, oh, it's okay. not. But we're going to call him Charlie. <laughs> He's the forgettable one. We should mention he goes to the doctor. John Favreau's in his own movie here, kind of playing a very John Favreau character. I do love him just eating the cotton balls. Buddy, <laughs> don't eat them. Like, oh, Mister, oh, no. When he, yeah, when he, when he pulls his hand away from him and he's like trying to, that's such a kid. Like I have done that with the kids so many times. No, don't eat that. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> And also I love it like when he's all like, oh, what are we going to do? This sounds fun. And he like pricks his, he's like, can I wear your head necklace thing? No, you can't. <laughs> and then when he picks his, I just love his childish reactions of like he gets pricked on the finger and he's like, ah! <laughs> Starts screaming. I also love it when he's just sitting in the waiting room with that little girl. Like Will Ferrell's got a way of like just acting this innocence with children that works. Yeah. And like, this, and also like, I'm one who hates children actors because they're annoying, but this little girl kind of just plays off Will Ferrell so well. Like, you know, oh, what are you here for? What are you doing this for? Oh, okay. Yep. And just kind of plays off it. Um, the, apparently, they've got the fastest paternity tests in the world, in the world of Elf. We straight away know yeah, that know. this is his son <laughs> immediately. Uh, that's one bit which doesn't make sense. But then we've got Mary Steinberg and Steinberger, whatever her name is. But, like, we mentioned it last week, the the kind of the fan theory. I think it's a YouTube video or is it like a Reddit post where basically someone's come out and said that Elf is the... Well, Step Brothers is the sequel to Elf mm-hmm. because basically Mary Steinberg is is Will Ferrell's mum in, in Step Brothers and therefore she's the stepmum here. So basically they came out with this theory that, like, Buddy comes to live in New York, becomes normal, but then turns into a teenager and that like James Khan dies and the other son's gone away. And <laughs> like, it actually like it legitimately makes sense. Like if you actually mm-hmm. read the theory, like, okay, I kind of believe that that kind of makes sense. Um, she's got to be in her forties in this movie. She's looking pretty good too, right? Like, I she think wasn't... she's maybe older than that at this point. She she was fairly aged in Back to the Future Three, and this is what fifteen years. Yeah, I remember. I remember finding out years later that she was a lot younger than they made her. So she's sixty seven now. So she would have been fifty when this movie came out. Wow, good for her. Good for her. She's... Good for you. Well, and you know fun... what? She's 
She's married to Ted Danson. I was about so to say even that. better for her. I was literally about to say that. Fun fact, she's married to Ted Danson and still married. Yeah. They've been married for nearly 20 years. Ted Danson, Mark. Where's Ted what Danson? A I love Ted Danson. That was I remember when I got into oh, damages. Yeah. Um that first season that sold me, it was like Glenn Close versus Ted Danson. I'm down. And it worked. Um she won an Academy Award. I did not know that from Mary Stein. Good for her. Was it Academy for Elf? Award. No, it was for the esteemed movie Melvin and Howard. Oh, remember when we launched the Laws Network with the unaired <laughs> pilot covering Melvin and Howard? I remember it like it was yesterday. It was <laughs> one of our favorite ones we've ever done. Um, it is about the Mormons? Um, no? Something about the Church of Jesus Christ later. Who else is in that movie? Paula Matt's in that movie, Colin. What? I know. Not Paula Matt. You know what? Let, let's put this uh, on pause and let's go cover it right now. <laughs> uh, but she's there and um, we have, like, uh, this is where it's like, you know, oh, he's inside. I've got a son. And she just kind of accepts it. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I think if <laughs> She's I told, excited about it. Like, if I told Mallory now that, oh, by the way, I've got a kid and we've only been together for three years, I think there's going to be, like, a bit yeah. of like a, huh? You've only told me this now? What? Um, <laughs> but... So they have dinner, and this is where we discover that, like, and I like this. I like this quirk that, like, Buddy just eats everything with sugar in it. And he's like, the four mm-hmm. main food groups are syrup, candy, <laughs> and he pours maple syrup all over his spaghetti. Am I wrong for not being disgusted by any of his food choices in this movie? Well, I, when he adds everything to it the next day, I'm a little grossed out. But when he just said maple syrup, I'm like, you know, that might be kind of interesting. Canadians watch this and go, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. But, like, even <laughs> the next morning when he adds, like, Pop-Tarts and, like, M&Ms, and <laughs> like, I'm gone. I'd eat that. Like, I'm not gross. Maybe it's I've been on keto for so long, I just miss sugar so much that I'm just like, I'd eat that. Like, can I say, Will Ferrell is on the complete opposite of keto right now. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. Carbs and sugar. <laughs> but, like, the thing, I'd love to see the behind the scenes of this movie or, like, see an interview with him because, like, I'm assuming he eats this all himself because, like, particularly in the yeah. scene in the next morning, he just goes to town and, like, I just love the, their reactions when he pours it all over the maple, all of the skin, he just starts eating it. I think this is where he says, like, I only sleep, like, 30 minutes or something like that. And clearly he's just eating sugar all the time. So, you know. But that's going into what you were saying before about, like, the fantasy world. Like, yeah. you know, that's kind of what you believe, like, with elves, right? Because, like, all Santa eats is cookies, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of it, it makes sense. Um, I also love it here when he's like, oh, so how long are you expecting to stay, buddy? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking, like, oh, potentially, you know, like, maybe uh, forever. <laughs> <laughs> The way he says that. And then I love it when he's like going to sleep. It's like, Dad, can you tuck me in? No, I'm not going to tuck you in. It's like, I'm not going to go to sleep until you tuck me in. Then he like tucks me in. He's like, Tickle Monster! <laughs> and then he's like, I love you, Dad. And he's like, Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and then like the next morning when he makes breakfast, <laughs> he's like, <pouring laughs> And he's like, mm. And then doesn't she do like, or is it he, her or James Carney does that little like, Ooh. Like motion or something like that. What I loved with that is when when he's got the spaghetti and she's like, Oh, thank you, buddy. And before she digs in, he starts to pour the syrup, she's gonna be like, Oh, that that that's good. Thank you. That's <laughs> and when he puts the spaghetti in like a ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Major lunch. To um, go. <laughs> I did what was it the red a little bit that I laughed out loud when it was like, um, oh, you did all the decorations. It's like, yeah, and I did. And I made you a rocking horse. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get the wood? And you see like the TV 
absolutely yeah. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> but then I also love it like when he calls up Jay's card later and he's like, there's this noise, it's coming out of this thing and I don't know what it is. That's uh, the the radiator, buddy. No, it's not. It's not the radiator. Okay, yeah, it's the radiator. That's so good. I'll call you again in five minutes. <laughs> it's like, no, don't call me in five minutes. Uh, it's just... Why is it so funny? Um, we then meet the James Khan storyline plot is just the, like who cares about him? Like we yeah. don't care about his job. We've got he's going to produce a hit book. Yep, the mayor from Godzilla's yelling at him. Um, he put out a, a book that was missing two pages, so apparently this is a big thing. It's going to lead to us meeting Peter Dinklage. Um, so there you go. Buddy has a snowball fight with bullies. Um, which this is the one bit where like this buddy meant to have magical powers because he's kind of got like a machine gun arm yeah. with snowball like that. It's Jack Frost. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, but cool, we're gonna have bonding moment with little Charlie here. Um, <laughs> uh, he meets up with Zoe Deschanel again here, doesn't he? Um, and I think like this is where he asks her out. Oh yeah, he asks her out. I love the Christmas tree bit. Like when he brings the Christmas tree home. Where'd you get that from? Cut it down in the park. And then when he's like <laughs> trying to hang up the star, and he like jumps on it, yeah. and the thing falls down. It's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> this is what Adventures of Pluto Nash should have been doing. Like it should have been making me laugh at things that aren't funny. Why am I laughing at this? It's so dumb. Uh, I love it when he brings him into work and he's in a suit and then he goes up to the secretary like, hey, remember me? It's like, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> so what does he say? Like, your eyes always look like snowflakes or something like that. And I love it when he's reading the book. What is it? Like Pygmalion or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Pygmalion. And he's like reading it out loud and he's like, buddy, you know, keep it down, please. It's like, okay. And he has a sip of the coffee. It's like, Ugh. like, no, you don't have to drink that. Okay. You don't have to keep drinking it. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Sends him down to the mail room basically to do like slave labor where he makes friends with like drunky McDrunk drunk. And he's like, you're my best friend. And then he starts doing like the dancing bit down there. River so dance. Fun. Um, and we meet, I, I love the like little, um, the James Khan's assistants played by, uh, Kyle Gass and Andy Richter. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, how big, bigger fans of both of them, but um, Kyle Gav, we, we isn't it funny? Surviving Christmas a couple of days ago had the Tenacious D poster mm-hmm. and we talked about Jack Black, but here we have Kyle Gass making his appearance. So we've apparently Six done- Degrees of Oz Network Christmas. Yeah, Tenacious D Cinematic Universe is happening right now. <laughs> so their big thing is like, we're going to try and get this esteemed author to come in. We're going to find out it's Peter Dinklage. I love it when they're on the phone to Peter Dinklage and he's like, I'm very busy. But I will do it. And I want you to pick me up in a car. 71 degrees. Nothing more. Nothing less. Who is that? Don't do that. Don't put me on hold. That's it. I'm done. And then kind of this silence. I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> 71 degrees. <laughs> I don't like, I don't understand this character, but I just love it because I love Peter Dinklage. Like it's just, yeah. and like, I know kind of everybody's all like, oh, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones. Like never seen Game of Thrones. Don't have a clue. He was like a major character in season four of Nip Tuck. Uh, and he was also in Station Agent. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't. He's in... um, he was You've in never third... seen that was his breakthrough role. Oh, I thought Nip Tuck was. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it was. I don't know what year was Nip Tuck. Uh, Station Agent came like, out. I think this two thousand same year. Five thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, so Station Agent came out right around the time of Elf. It was like an indie movie, but it was right. like extremely acclaimed. I thought you would have seen it because it's basically Peter Dinklage and Bombie Cannavale. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I, I want to see it now. I was going to say Peter Dinklage. Was was in an episode of Third Watch. Uh, so. Well, see, 
And it's it's just weird that uh, he did Elf and the Station Agent. I think probably being released pro- within a month of each other because they're polar opposites. In the Station Agent, it's just a movie where they don't address his height at all for any mm-hmm. reason whatsoever. He's just a character in the movie. It's his movie, but they don't even address it. And here, that's all the joke is. Well, I guess kind of like that's the thing. I guess with any type of um, what what's the political correct term? Is it little people now? Uh, like actor. Elf. <laughs> Fine, fuck it, elf. Um, that like, I mean, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Where you know, it, it's generally their cast because of that. Um, and like Nip Tuck kind of towed a line where it was sort of he was brought in, kind of it's mentioned, and then it's kind of forgotten about. But then kind of it gets to a point where he kind of starts dating Julia, and then it's kind of almost implied that she's against his height. So he explores the possibility of getting like leg extension stir- surgery. So it's kind of like, you know, sort of explored, but um, no, he's really good in that. And like that season four of Nip Tuck was basically almost the forgotten season that people don't like. But I think when we ended up recapping that, I think I ended up making that the, like I listed that as the best season. And here mm. I was always saying season two was one of the best seasons of television ever. Like season four is such a brilliantly underrated season. of Nip Tuck. Anyway, sidebar, but Peter Dinklage just in this movie is, He's odd, but kind of why is he there? But I still love him because he's Peter Dinklage. Who doesn't love Peter Dinklage? Um, and Bobby Cannavale. There's a like I need to see that movie. Like no, you should. It's a good movie too. Bobby Cannavale month coming soon. <laughs> yes, please. Do you like Bobby Cannavale? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I never really watched Third Watch, but I like him in everything else I've seen. I mean, he's and he's in, married like, to Rose Byrne, right? Oh, what a couple! We talk about like Ted Danson and Mary Steinberg. Like, yeah. Who would you rather have Christmas lunch with, Ted Danson and Mary Steinberg, or Bobby Cannavale and Rose? I'm both of them. Bring them both oh, over. One for Christmas and one for Boxing Day. Yeah, exactly. And then Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick for New Year's Eve. Yeah, or Matthew Broderick for New Year's Eve. Right. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Hayden Christensen. And oh, they're not together anymore. Rachel Bilson. They're not together oh, they'll, anymore. Oh, they'll, they'll they'll get back together just for us. Now that is an attractive couple. Like people. That is the single most attractive couple I think this like, ever existed. Like Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie. Like it's just like it's you know that's like if you put a Ferrari next to a Porsche. Like oh, okay, great. <laughs> they're they're both hot and attractive. But like like you add a Ferrari and like I don't know a Lexus together. Like Lexus mm-hmm. is unassumingly sexy. That's Rachel <laughs> Bilson. And then you know clearly Hayden Christensen's a Ferrari. And like oh. Imagine, did they have kids? Did they ever have kids? They together? did, yeah. Oh, yeah. that is going to be one hot child. Like, <laughs> ben, Ben, remember the restraining order, okay? <laughs> when it grows up, uh... <laughs> <laughs> they're going to track in your Google. Don't, don't, don't put it in there. Don't, 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 don't. I, re- I don't remember. Do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You sound like R two D two. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, what was what was that movie they did together? That jumper movie. Jumper. Which, Love that movie. I remember watching it going, like, I feel like that's Elf. I remember watching Jumper going, eh, it was fine. But, like, I feel like if I watched it again with my newfound appreciation for Hayden Christensen, that yeah. I feel I would, and Samuel L. Jackson, like, Mace Windu and Anakin mm-hmm. back together. Come on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel have a bonding moment. Um, there's a montage of them skating and the kiss is kind of random. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel like the, 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 the James Calm work stuff and the Zoe Deschanel love story. It's, it's who cares? Um, yeah. although I do, I will say like when he takes him to the, takes it to the coffee place, it's like, have a sip now. What is it? It tastes like a really bad <laughs> cup of coffee. It is a really bad coffee. No, it's the world's best. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that moment. That's funny. Um, I feel like I could almost go to... I'll cap it maybe just before the final scene here. Um, mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage shows up. I love how everyone in the office is like, oh, it's, you know, what's his face? 
And then, like, he kind of comes in and starts, uh, you know, giving pictures. And he's like, what have you got? And it's like, oh, we've got a peach. And it's no, uh, no, a tomato. Tomatoes aren't bruised enough. Like, you know, it's been done. Nothing with vegetables. This it's is what vulnerable. I'm thinking. Vulnerable. Um, Buddy comes in and basically bags him out and calls him an elf. Um, Call me an elf one more time. You're an elf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Peter Dinklage bashes him up and leaves. And to which this is where James Khan yells at him, you're not my son, get out of my life. Um, can we just point out, we haven't mentioned it, another deadbeat dad at Christmas. Yeah. Yep. It has to be. has to be. Fairly standard. You know that, that thing where uh, it's a big meme that's uh, over the last couple of years is not Christmas till Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Plaza. Yep. We just, it's not Christmas unless there's a deadbeat dad. True. Yep. Or, or a and disaster one day movie. Ben, yeah, one day Ben and I will be those deadbeat dads in Christmas movies. What do you mean one day? You're already one. You're calling your kids like fat <laughs> yeah, there you go. stupid babies. <laughs> Come here, you meatbag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need to have like a combination of a Christmas disaster movie, right? Deadbeat Dad oh, Central. Yeah. Like the deadbeat maybe dad cinematic be, universe. Maybe there's still time to make Greenland that. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I forgot about that movie. Is that out yet? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I think they, they pushed it to January or February, so it'll be here. Yeah, all right. Um and yeah, I'll maybe just cap it there because all of a sudden, uh, James Khan realizes, oh no, I'm not a deadbeat dad. I love my son who I've known for five minutes, uh, and then also his other Charlie son who we forget is in this movie as well, uh, and then we're gonna get this massive climax. Um, what I I like it when Will Ferrell's leaving a note on the etcher sketch, and I also like it like the day when his dad goes to work. And he's basically like, so dad, this is our day. I've got planned for it. We're going to have a snowball fight. Then we're going to snuggle for like 30 minutes. Then we're going to go skating. <laughs> then we'll hold hands. Yeah. He ends up, <laughs> when we'll hold hands. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, a bit to talk about there, but um, also not a lot to talk about there. I like this. Is, this is something that's going to set up the climax of the movie that just seems like it was written on the spot. Uh, but the line that he gives about singing, uh, about what, what is it about singing? Nothing brings Christmas spirit more than a song or something like that. Something like that. It's, it's, it's the whole setup for the climax, but the way he has to describe singing where he says, it's like talking only longer and louder and your voice goes up and down. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the old network works. Yeah, exactly. The ratings go up and down uh, depending on if Noah is here Damn. or not. Uh, by the way, Noah cannot get a date. Uh, it's the end of 2020. People. It is. It's our final time. We tried Can't- and we failed. <laughs> Still couldn't get one, and what a racist prick. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. He but loved, you know he what? Loves, will... He loves winter, though, because he loves snow, because it's white. <laughs> just loves it. I, I was going, it's coarse, and it's rough, and it's irritating. <laughs> no, it's, his sand's not white enough. That's why he doesn't like it. <laughs> Absolutely hates dirt. Just hates it. Apparently, he hates women, too, because he still hasn't gotten a date. <laughs> No, a trial that there are other genders. It's 2020. About, I believe there's about 50 you of know, them now. So Yeah, just, you could even meet in the middle, you know? Yeah. Like, there's, there's got to be one of those 50 that would finally date you. So <laughs> give it a try. Come on. Um, the secretary, I'm glad you mentioned her because I, I don't think there's two characters in this movie that I absolutely love that I never noticed even though this is probably my third or fourth time watching this movie, the secretary is one of them. And I didn't recognize her in this movie at all. I mean, I'm not totally, I'm familiar with who she is, Amy Sedaris. Mm. Uh, she had a pretty popular show that ended up having a movie spinoff too called Strangers with Candy. Uh, I think it was like a comedy central show or something like that, like a sketch comedy thing. Uh, but she was in the Mandalorian, uh, which you also would not recognize her in. Cause they 
completely transform Grogu. her. She's Grogu. She's Grogu. That's right. Uh, but no, she's appeared in a couple episodes when they take, whenever he takes his ship in for um, uh, like repairs or refueling and stuff like that. She's the one who kind of, all right, I'll get your ship up and running again. Uh, oh, the one who the, with the, the, the droid bot things from the family. Yeah, Menace. exactly. Oh, is that her? That's her. Wow. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Huh. But I mean, she's, she's hilarious in this movie too. Uh, and the scene I, uh, I really want to talk about is um, you alluded towards with uh, when he comes into work dressed in the suit, jumping all over the place here, but I have to get this out before I forget. Uh, just his introduction in there, just to see Will Ferrell come in in the suit. The fact that when he's at home, like, and you got to change out of that costume, lose the pants. And lose the pants when? Like right now. And he yanks it down and Mary Steenberger walks in <laughs> full frontal Will Ferrell. Ah! <laughs> then the very next shot to just see him in the suit where at first he's like, uh, imitating James Caan, where he's like, morning, Frank, and Will Ferrell, morning, Frank. And then the next one, I think, is like, um, uh, was it Sarah? Morning, Sarah. It's like, Sarah, that's a lovely purple dress you have. And then it's like, Fran- morning, Francisco. Francisco, that's fun to say. Francisco, Francisco. <laughs> and later when he's reading the book, he's, he just randomly starts going, Francisco, Francisco. <laughs> and then when he meets Debbie, the secretary, the Amy Sedaris character here, uh, where it's like, hey, remember me? It's like, I came in there. Yes, I remember you. It's like, I work here now. <laughs> James Conn wrecks me into the room. <laughs> and then later on, it's like, you're so pretty, they could put your face on a Christmas card. <laughs> it's like, aren't you just darling? <laughs> I just want, I want more of these little characters, but I, I feel like it's the main characters that really get gypped. So and I'm glad you cut it off where you did because that's where I started having problems with the movie. Uh, the mailroom stuff, it's just the scene. <laughs> It feels so out of place to me. Like I like some of the stuff in there. Like when he walks in and he's like, this isn't like Santa's workshop at all. It smells like mushrooms in here and sweat or something. <laughs> uh, and the way he starts doing the river dance, it's just, it's just a weird sequence. It's one of the few things that I just feel like don't really fit in this movie. There's probably more you could have built on that. This movie is very short. It's 96 minutes. And I, I almost feel like, I'm not saying release the Favreau cut, uh, but <laughs> it's not a cut. It's not a cut of elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but this, it feels like there's a lot missing from the second half of this movie. And this mailroom scene's one of them because basically Buddy gets loaded here and he river dances. And then the very next scene, he's completely normal. It just feels like there's a whole section that you cut out where maybe you could have had him with a hangover. Uh, or they're like, what's going Because James Conn, they say, what's going on in the mailroom? And they just cut to the audio. There's no scene of James Conn going down there. And what, what I'm going to get really frustrated with is, is how uh, tacked on this James Conn relationship becomes because you had opportunities here to have him get more frustrated with Buddy so that his explosion isn't just out of nowhere. You have something for him to, you know, get to know Buddy a little bit, but then also get you know, progressively more frustrated with him. It's just, it's missing for the movie because the very next time you see him, he's in his business suit again. It's the same day. And that's when he goes out on his date. You know, uh, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second because the, the two scenes here that'll connect the dots, which become uh, montage issues. So the Charlie character, <laughs> uh, I, I love that when he first sees him sitting outside, he's, uh, hi, Charlie, do you know this guy? No. It's like, Charlie, it's me, your, your brother, buddy, the elf. And, oh, no. That, hence the snowball fight. I get the the moment where he suddenly has fun with him. Then they just cut to a montage of them having fun around the city. It's not even a full montage. It's like 10 seconds. And we're supposed to believe he's finally friends with him. When they get back to the house and they got the tree and everything. And James Conn and Mary Steenburgen are having the, uh, the argument where he's like, he committed a felony with our son. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, yes, they shouldn't have done the tree. I'll make them replant another one. Uh, but, but she mentions, you know, 
your son has somebody that he enjoys being around. He doesn't enjoy being around you. That just gets completely dropped from this movie until mm. they suddenly bring it up again out of nowhere. And it just doesn't click at all. Um, and and I, I, I really like the, it's very George of the Jungle like the buddy at home. What's going on with the radiator and stuff like that. Uh, all this fish out of the water stuff. That stuff's handled well. It's the relationships with the characters. And I, I feel like they, maybe they had a bigger movie here and they cut it back because they were afraid of, well, we need a short runtime because this is a movie that kids are going to go see, even if it's made for adults. I want a two-hour version. I was surprised re-watching the Santa Claus. Santa Claus is like an hour and 45 minutes. Mm. That's longer than this. You could have done an extra five minutes and held everybody's attention. It just feels like they were so bound by, we need this 90-minute runtime that they sacrificed a lot in the second half of the movie here. Um, the date sequence, again, becomes just montage, 10 seconds of them having fun. They've said like three words to each other. I mean, they talked briefly when they thought he was working uh, at the, the store there. They talk briefly when he walked in her on the shower and they talk briefly when he asks her out. Um, that's it. And oh, what was his description when he asks her out? He, he, he describes her. Uh, I can't remember how he describes her. Uh, it's something some about, uh, you make me feel really warm when I'm around you and my tongue swells up. I'm like, no, these are things that get Ben arrested. Like why yeah. can Will Ferrell get, get away with this? Mallory's the only one who who put up with that. She should get arrested because the honest trailer makes a very good point that she's basically dating a child, right? Like, yeah, exactly. She, she is, it should be a little weird for her. Yeah, like I mean, like he doesn't know what's happening in the shower. Like if they try to have sex, he's just going to be like, "Ooh, what are these things?" Like you know, it's kind of like Colin reacts whenever he sees Jamie. Exactly. Naked. Yeah, <laughs> but like from her perspective, you do have to wonder that. From her perspective, at the very least, he's a little mentally unstable yeah. or challenged. Um, I hate to say challenge, but challenge. Is is that what she goes for? Is that her thing? Because she's all over him in this movie. And it's not like he's super charming. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, mean, maybe he is. Maybe he, that's what she, she clearly, like, I mean, Jim Carrey and Yes Man was kind of a bit of a ball with a stick up his ass who always just said yes to things. So, you know. She just, she's imagining the massive buddy dong. She's imagining yeah, Big I was, Buddy. Yeah, I was mentioning that. Do you reckon he's got a big one? I don't think so because yeah, he wears very tight pants in this movie and he's either tucking it back or he's got nothing there. And I, and I feel like, you know, like nothing against Will Ferrell, but like he doesn't need to have a big dong. He's a funny guy no. and like the humor and like you just want to be with him and it wouldn't matter if it's the size of a pea. Like it, it, who cares? Like it's, it's not like Jason Momoa, right? Where like the guy's just like <laughs> sex on legs and then all of a sudden like, fuck yeah, I'm going to root this guy. And then all of a sudden you take his pants off and you're like, oh God, is that it? Where, 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 where is it? What happened? What's Did you lose on? it? Whereas like Will Ferrell, it's kind of like, ah, ha, 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 do me. I don't care how big it is. Like, you know? Well, I mean, let's be honest. For ranking the um, A-list Hollywood star here, uh, Christmas, we're talking about Ben Affleck's number one on the dong scale. Hands down. Uh, Michael Keaton's number two, Jim Carrey's number three, Will Ferrell's number four, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim Carrey's got the Canadian level of dongness, and we know that there, uh, you know, adds a couple of uh, oh, yeah. inches. So, yep. Most Canadians. <laughs> Most Canadians. <laughs> We're looking at you, um, Bieber. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about me. Thank you, Bieber. That's what I meant. Okay. We've seen Bieber's dong. We haven't seen yours. So, you know. Well, permit me to demonstrate. <laughs> been building up oh dear years. god no no i'm not finished okay shut up i'm talking now shut up <laughs> me shut you up. me me you me me you me, me. <laughs> the the uh the other part when in the asking her out scene that was really good uh was where she says they gave you your job back here it's like 
Uh, no, but they they were very nice. They, they gave me a nice restraining order. <laughs> Again, happens to Ben all the time. This is Ben's scene right here. <laughs> that's, why Colin, that's why I actually moved to Victoria. I wasn't allowed to move to Winnipeg because Colin has a restraining order against me. So um, that's how it works. One, also, one, oh, 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 one more thing. Ah, one is, shut up. Shut up. Ah, <laughs> I'm talking now. Man talk, Ben. Uh, so I got to talk about Peter Dinklage scene. Like it is a random thing by a random character it also feels a little out of place it's a little bit too slapsticky for i think mm. the tone of the rest of the movie but i still like it because who doesn't want to see peter dinklage throwing you know willfare around and pile driving him into a table uh but the line that um peter dinklage gives about you know i get more action in a week than you get in your life guarantee that's true now you want oh, to talk yeah. about who's got a massive dong oh, peter dinklage has got a massive dong. everybody's yeah. seen it yeah. Uh, and I remember even in the station agent, a lot of people when that movie came out were commenting on it. It's really odd how strangely sexy this this little man is. <laughs> and I always wonder, I'm like, you know, is this, do women go for Peter Dinklage? And then I remember this scene in Elf. And then when Game of Thrones came on, like, man, he got more attention than any of the other naked guys in that movie. And I remember even Jamie started watching that movie. She goes, so this is the guy who all the women go crazy for? Mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage, this guy. And she's like, I don't see it. She watched like three seasons of that show. She goes, you know what? I get it now. <laughs> Maybe it's a personality thing, but I would let him take me. <laughs> but, but as we always know with Jamie, as long as they've got a pulse and a penis, they're generally okay. <laughs> like, right, so Will Ferrell's got one out of the two. Peter yeah. Dinklage has both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. The one scene I forgot I really liked to, um, when uh, Faze on Love is like walking him around. is like, so this is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. No, it's not. It is. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, and then Faison Love. Love appears as Santa Claus at the end because the yeah. other guy's gone. <laughs> um, so Will Ferrell's lost. He's out in the big wide world. He happens to see Santa crash. And basically the, the thing with Santa sleigh that makes it fly is Christmas spirit. And Christmas spirit is dropping. So Santa crashes in Central Park. Um the one thing I like about this sequence, though, is it's kind of like, you know, this whole notion that people just kind of accept that Santa's a thing in this world. It's it's not like in the Santa Claus where it's like, oh, look, Santa, like, oh, yeah. you know. Whereas this one is just kind of like, that's eh, just Santa. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I love point. this reporter. I just, I don't know. I oh, love that's it. my other character. Like, I, I, I could not have, could not have told you that she was even in this movie after watching it the first few times, but she's a star now. Just the way she's just in this park interviewing everyone. I love random guy like your <laughs> eyes light up the night sky. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like just randomly flirting with this woman. Oh, and I just I love the way like New York One is just portrayed. Like I actually don't, I've been to New York a couple of times, but I don't actually know if New York One's a thing because I know New York One was a joke that Robin worked for on How I Met Your Mother. Like that was kind of the the shitty cable news network that nobody watched, right? Um, so I, I don't know if this is just the ongoing joke in TV and movies that's New York one, or this really is a thing in New York. Um, and I just love their coverage of this. I also love the way they kind of like play this off as like, and also breaking news, a weird man has been seen walking around in an elf costume. And you see kind of like the Bigfoot footage, like kind of like in the pause, like that famous Bigfoot photo. Um, but it's like, is this really a weird thing? Like somebody dresses an elf, like, I was in Costco the other day. There was an employee there dressing like an elf onesie, like serving <laughs> customers. And like, that was normal. And that was in well, don't Costco. You they, they film it. Like it's almost um, shot for shot, even movement for movement. Like the, the famous Bigfoot footage. Yeah. Did you yeah. notice that? <laughs> yeah. I, I did. You do listen to me, right? I did just say that. 
No, I don't listen. Clearly I not. Tune you I tune you up. I don't know. If anybody else can hear, there's been a lot of screaming going on upstairs <laughs> at children. Most you of it from Jamie. I put the best stuff together available now in two days. We'll teach you that later. And I listened to that clip you sent with like Rossi. With where Rossi? Like, saying, like, you didn't say that. Like, I just said that. Let's put it on rewind. Um, let's do that right now. Let's hear on rewind what I just said. <laughs> I also love the way they kind of like play this off as like, and also breaking news, a weird man has been seen walking around in an elf costume. And you see kind of like the Bigfoot footage, like kind of like in the pause, like of that famous Bigfoot photo. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's just, it, <laughs> it, it means so much more coming from me. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, again, I literally just said the Bigfoot thing. <laughs> What's going on here? This why I make the best of because I've already recorded it, but um, it might have. Anyway, um... So basically, it's got to be about Christmas spirit. So everyone starts believing, everyone starts singing, and then Santa eventually takes off. Uh, we've, I also love this random, like, the evil rangers of Central Park. <laughs> <laughs> this is police brutality in the elf universe. What's, <laughs> the horses. What's, what's that thing that uh, the reporter says? Like, yes, and they're deploying that, and there might be some sort of incident over a Simon Garfunkel concert back in, in 85 that's... Yeah, 85 is still under investigation. <laughs> like, again, like, it makes no sense, but it's just kind of just something that I just find really funny for some reason. Like, like we bagged out in the Santa Claus ELFS, elves, and that yeah. stupid little kid. I can't remember his name. Um, like Kenny Vadis or something? Kenny, that's it. Stup- <laughs> fuck you, Kenny Vadis. The a- Amanda <laughs> Pete of 2017, whenever we did that. Um but like this, like this is what you do with something like this. If you just you just pass it up as a joke, don't have them as like as condescending little gits or whatever it is. Like, oh, it's random, it's funny. Um, but buddy saves Christmas. Everyone's happy. I like it when he's re- when the little kid's reading the the book out and he's like, and Jenny wants a doll and blah blah. And what does he say? Like such and such wants a spa and blah blah. And that guy in the bar's like. Yeah, there must, be, must another. be another one. <laughs> but also, everyone in New York just happens to be watching New York One at this point. Like, good for them. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. And then we later find out that basically James Kahn's company saved because they write the book of the, the real life story of Buddy the Elf. And basically, he then goes back to the North Pole to fuck Zoe Deschanel and sit on Bob Newhart's knee. Um, so Not the opposite. No. No. <laughs> Which is tempting. In well, do we know? Well, we don't know. We 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 don't know. Uh, so yes, that is Elf. That is Elf. Um, the way that James Caan just suddenly like I I actually think it's a really great scene. Like this is Academy Award nominee James Caan. This is Sonny Corleone here, where he's like, "You're not my son. I want you out of my life." You actually see it from his point of view. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Buddy has come in and destroyed his life. But this is where I say, like, I wish James Conner had more fun with this because he could have embraced the naughty list dad thing more. Um, and I'm not faulting James Conner. I'm saying they didn't, maybe they cut his scenes or maybe they didn't give him enough to work with. But this should have been a completely different character. And even though that moment's really good, him just suddenly turning around and be like, you know what? I was wrong. I'm going to go get Buddy. I sort of get the son's attachment to Buddy. James Conn out of nowhere, just coming around, like it, the scene does not work at all. His son coming in, like Charlie coming in and saying, dad, buddy loves everybody. And he's like, you know what? You're right. He has not seen that. His only interactions with buddy is screwing up his life. And legitimately buddy does screw up his life. Yeah. Like he ruins it. He yep. loses his job here and he does it inappropriately. This is where I said like he's innocent, but inappropriate. 
him calling the greatest author since Dr. Seuss uh, uh, an elf and tackling him and everything is ruining his life. Him coming in and disrupting his work and destroying his tree and cutting down a tree in Central Park is destroying his life. Yep. Uh, and they never properly explained. I'm so glad you brought up that nobody in this movie questions whether Santa exists. Because I actually think that's one of the big problems I have with the second half of this movie. They start off with this fantasy world where they even address the fact that some people think that the parents give the presents. This is a thing. And if this was the Santa Claus world, it is so absurd to think it's Santa. And that should be part of it. It's like, wait a second, Santa exists? James Caan doesn't have a moment where he's like, Santa exists. Okay, so you're Santa and Buddy's actually an elf? Mm. Like, it seems to exist in this world where Santa is a real thing. But then you shouldn't have made those jokes earlier on where it's like people don't believe in Santa. You shouldn't have had James Caan question saying, of course he's not an elf. And John Favreau, the doctor, saying, you know what? He's just, he's, he's a little bit delusional because obviously there's no such thing as Santa and elves. This movie's contradicting itself in the second half. And it feels to me like they didn't have an ending and they had a lot of rewrites and it shows here. Uh, Zoe Deschanel just suddenly coming and singing. Okay, maybe she has a bit of a connection to Buddy, but again, not enough that I really care about their relationship. And it doesn't take much. It takes the scene that's missing from all these characters is one moment. And we talk about this in so many of the movies. You needed a scene with Charlie after they had the snowball fight and after they had their little montage and after he helps them ask out, you know, his future wife, where they just sit down and they, they talk a little bit and they have a little more heartfelt moment. They only have one moment where he says something about, your dad's the best dad in the world. And go, no, he isn't. He's a terrible father. Have a moment. Have one dramatic moment with them that lasts five seconds. And I believe the transition a little bit more. Have one moment after the montage of the world's best cup of coffee. No, it's a crappy cup of coffee. One moment where they connect in some type of real level. One moment where James Caan isn't being annoyed by Buddy. Because again, from his point of view, he should be telling him, get out of my life. You need one moment where Buddy's done something good for him. And he sees a reason to suddenly turn on his life and tell his boss up yours or something like that. The boss also is a bit of a plot hole. Because this guy, um, the the mayor from Godzilla, like you mentioned, uh, Michael Lerner, great actor. He always plays the same character, it seems. He is there on what would be the 23rd, the day before. And he says, okay, you're going to deliver this pitch to me on Christmas Eve. And then the next day is the pitch. And he says, are you kidding me? I flew in for this pitch. No, you were already there. We saw you there the day before. That's a good Before point. you even told him to do this. And the same plot hole, Zoe Deschanel, when she's like, Oh, but I'm off on Thursday. They go out on Thursday, which in this universe is on Christmas Eve. She works as an elf for a department store, Santa, who gets Christmas Eve off. That's the one day she should be working. Doesn't make any sense. Like there's just a lot of things. As soon as you hit the halfway point in this movie, a lot of things just don't make sense in the story. But again, I enjoy the humor in it enough that I forgive it. I wrote, don't really feel like there's a lot of humor once you get Santa and Central Park. Um, a couple of you know funny lines here and there. But it just sort of becomes, let's let's have a very brief action sequence that I also feel like could have been, I don't know, 30 seconds, one minute longer. I don't understand the whole Christmas spirit thing. Oh, there's not enough Christmas spirit. Just in New York? Because again, I, I don't think, I, I don't remember if we mentioned this in Santa Claus, but I mentioned it in our all of the other reindeer recap. Whenever you have Santa in a movie, they're always American-made movies. And Santa's first stop is always North America, which would be his last stop. Because if this is the first place in the Santa Claus, when Scott Calvin goes to wherever that movie's supposed to take place, um, Illinois Chicago. or Michigan, Chicago. Chicago's his first stop. 
Uh, Christmas has been over for several hours on the other side of the world. We, exactly. We, it's bloody Boxing Day in Australia when it's Christmas Eve, basically. like Christmas Yeah, Day. and when, when we covered all of the other reindeer, I pointed out how they start by delivering presents to North America and they seem to finish in Australia. I'm like, well, it's nice <laughs> that they got their presents on the 27th or 28th or wherever yeah, it is now. Thanks, Santa. Uh, but here, they don't have that. But let's let's just say this is the end of Christmas. Is it just a New York thing? Because he flew here fine. It only takes, really in the end, it takes James Conn singing to raise the Christmas spirit, which also is like kind of a weird moment. Everybody sings and the Christmas spirit is going up. Then James Conn starts singing and all of a sudden, boom, just skyrockets <laughs> in the sky. Uh, but you could have made that part of a movie. Just instead of saying Christmas spirit all around, is that that's just, it's a thing they throw a line, one line thrown away on in this movie and then they barely bring it up again. And then all of a sudden this Christmas spirit is, that's a, that's a movie right there. That's Buddy needs to instill Christmas spirit in New York City, in the world. But Buddy doesn't end up doing it. So you have all these characters that you've barely gotten to know who get a hero moment that doesn't really make sense when this should be Buddy's moment. You know, that's, that's what his character is. He's the elf who can't do anything right. They made that his character earlier in the movie. I'm just not a good elf. So what is his purpose in the end? To attach... A jet to a sleigh. <laughs> he doesn't get the moment that, that this script w- seems to be screaming should be his moment. I, I seem like I'm overly critical with a Christmas classic here. It's just, it really doesn't make sense. And I feel like you could easily rewrite this, make it just as good of a movie with an extra minute and a half of footage just to properly explain all this. That is a good point. Like, I can't disagree with anything you say there, but I think I just... I just enjoyed this so much at the end that I just like, I just, I'm loving the reporter. Like I, I'm loving just all, all that the reporter. I can't believe I'm scroll back. Go, go reporter. reporter. All right. So again, I don't even remember this being part of the movie. Um, I don't remember this character, but I walked away from this being like, oh, this lady's sure to be a star by now. Cause she's so funny in this movie. Uh, she has done nothing. Uh, <laughs> most Claire of her. Lottier. Claire Lottier. So most of her roles um, are guest spots on TV shows. She did an episode of Grey's Anatomy, did an episode of Numbers. Uh, most of her movie roles are similar to this, like New York City Reporter. She played in um, uh, Ghost Town, Upper East oh. Side Lady. So I haven't watching con- that, by the way. <laughs> in Confessions of a Shopaholic, she played Sample Sale Competitor. Uh, the only thing she's acted in the last eight years is an episode of a Canadian TV show, Saving Hope, that I've mentioned many times. We covered a few episodes on here. Um, and that's it. So well, what happened to her? She's so good in this movie. I'd like to watch, uh, so it says on, uh, on Google that she's best known for maybe House of D, which sounds like a movie Jamie should be watching, but apparently it's got nothing to do with <laughs> that. Written and directed by David Duchovny, and it's starring Robin Williams, Tay Leone, and David Duchovny, and Frank Langella. Ah. It's also got Robin Williams' Anton daughter, Yelchin. Zeller, in it. Orlando Jones Yelchin. is in it. Um, Erica Badu? Yeah, this is like Frank Langella. Yeah. Orlando Jones, yes. Pretty good. Oh, cast. by the way, did you hear did you hear Orlando Jones was in this movie? Did you not hear <laughs> is that the joke? What? Oh, I, 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 like, shut and up. How did you not mention the Bigfoot thing in Central Park? <laughs> <laughs> did you not hear my beginning at the end? And <laughs> uh, we're also forgetting it's also got Anton Yelchin in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you joke about them. Do you not know who Anton Yelchin is? I'm um, looking here. He was Chekhov in Star Trek. Um, yeah, I mean, he was in a lot more than that. Like, he was one of these actors like Heath Ledger that was on the verge of having a like, massive break. People were saying he's going to be the actor of his oh, generation. He died recently. And then he, he died. Oh, I yeah. did hear about him dying, actually. No, I know who you're Yeah, talking amazing about actor. 
Yep. No, no, no. I know. He, well, I mean, this movie doesn't have a very good, like, Robin Williams. The two main stars in this movie are dead. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Leone and David Duchovny's marriage is dead. Uh, so there's an attractive couple. Can we talk about them as a couple? You don't like David Duchovny, do you? I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, how can you not like David Duchovny? When we do Evolution next year, like, come on. Maybe he'll win me over like Will Ferrell won you over an elf. David Duchovny's brilliant. I'll do David Duchovny month. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll do David Duchovny already. I would do David Duchovny as well. Like, come on. <laughs> Ideal TV threesome. David Duchovny, Gillian Anderson and me. What a threesome. <laughs> Line it up. And Bobby and Cannavale Bob and Hearts. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Steenburgen and Ted Danson. No, oh, Mary Steenburgen and Christopher Lloyd and Ted Danson. Come on. <laughs> Add Doc into the fray, please. Also, Claire Lottier has a website, clairelottier.com. She's a spiritual Ooh. coach now, Colin. She's a what coach? A spiritual coach. Oh. She's got a, what is she's a got spiritual short hair coach? now, though. That's a shame. Um, oh yeah, I see that. Well, you're a, dead to us, Claire Lodge. <laughs> she, she has a she has a podcast, the Grace Space Podcast. Everyone, tell oh! stop listening to us and go listen to the Grace Space Podcast. Seriously, you have to. We're I'm going to add this to my podcasting list. Do it. Uh, latest episode. I did that. It's called the Paradigm. Um, Parad- paradigm? Would Parad- that be Paradigm? <laughs> paradigm. <laughs> You looked like the look on your face. You were struggling so much with that too. It looked like you were, I don't know, constipators of a paradigm. <laughs> your paradigm <laughs> is your conditioning. It's a collection of habits that is responsible for your current results. And it's beyond your conscious control. Learn how to free yourself from the prison of your paradigm. Paradigm. <laughs> I bet you she's got some good reviews. Do you think she's got a tea, Teespring store? Tea, tea public? I don't know, but you could check out our tea public sir tpublic.com slash uh oh slash user slash ozn uh i'm sure we'll have a claire lottier t-shirt coming soon she, she has a five star average of eight ratings i think we even we've got more than eight ratings don't we do we, <laughs> we might do we have i don't know like it, and it, you know what lad undercover chris dixon uh and patrick if not, none of you have rated us go and do it right now has patrick rated us i feel like he should have i don't think so we've had you know, four she has ratings a- for a five star <laughs> Damn it. You know what? Claire Lachie has a blog post, What I Learned from Shaving My Head. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, you lost me now, Claire. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so this movie, actually, I, I always thought this movie was, um, like, I didn't realize it was a hit. I thought it was kind of like one of these ones. Oh. It did okay and then kind of like it became a hit. But uh, oh. I was very wrong. Uh, this, oh, yeah. Uh, in terms of response, 84%. On Rotten Tomatoes, a movie full of yuletide cheer. Elf is a spirit of good nature, family comedy, and it benefits greatly from Will Ferrell's funny and charming performances. One of Santa's biggest helpers. On Metacritic, it has 64 out of 100. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, calling it one of those rare Christmas comedies that has a heart, a brain, and a wicked sense of humor. And it charms the socks right off the mantelpiece. Peter Travers for Rolling Stone gave it two out of four stars. Feral makes the damn thing work, even though he can't get naked or use naughty words. There's a devil. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Back up, Peter Travis. You want him to get naked? Uh, there's a devil of a comedy in Feral, and he lets out to play. Director John Favreau has good sense to just stand out of his way. Um, yeah, standard. Um, it got nominated for a Golden Trailer Award. Oh, no, sorry. It won the Golden Trailer Award for Best Comedy, as well as the ASCAP Top Box Office Film. It was nominated for... 
Uh, favorite movie at Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards. Best comedic performance by Will Ferrell at the MTV Movie Awards. As well as Choice Movie Actor, Teen Choice Awards, the PFCS Award, and the Golden Satellite Award. It also ended up... Um, it has been ranked on several lists of the greatest Christmas films of all time. Uh, so in 2017, Fandango rated Elf as the best Christmas film of the 21st century. Uh, also, it has appeared at number three on Digital Spies list. Total Film at number three. Entertainment Weekly number four. San Francisco Chronicle number four. Let's let's open up Total Film here and see if I can get the list. Oh, that's here. a mistake. We don't like Total Film. <laughs> Oh no! It's just it'll slow down your browser. So it was like, so, oh yeah, it's gone to Wayback Machine. Um, yeah, wow, this is taking its time. All right, let's not do that one. Let's do the <laughs> Digital Spy one, shall we? I just, I just want to see here because I, I like these lists. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol came in at number one. We did that, didn't we? Oh come on! No, all right. Um, Home no, Alone. we did do that, but we weren't like classic on it home alone number two elf number three it's a wonderful life number four die hard number five yes uh love actually number six miracle on 34th street the 94 version at seven Wait. Nas- national lampoon's christmas vacation there we go the santa claus at number nine and the nightmare before christmas at number 10 uh is the nightmare before christmas a christmas movie i feel it's a halloween movie it's ha- i think it's both it's boring whatever it is <laughs> I, I i i remember seeing it going yeah okay my sister used to like i like the corpse bride better and i don't like tim burton so uh and then empire had it at number 11 but empire is also taking its sweet ass time to load so anyway uh box office box mm. office um 173 million bucks this made good job yeah Seventh uh, highest grossing film of the year. Yeah, forty-seven million internationally, so two hundred twenty million worldwide. It's opening. Uh, it had a grand total of thirty-two million one hundred dollars. It opened at I'm gonna guess number one if this wants to load for me. Uh, box office server error. Thanks, box office mojo. <laughs> um, just when I need you the most. Uh, you failed me at Christmas time. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize. Made mm-hmm. such a big amount of money, so there you this go. was a movie that wouldn't go away. That's what I remember about it. Interesting. What was uh, not the, that I wanted it to go away? What were the big movies of two thousand? And I'm guessing Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter would have yeah. been in two thousand three. Uh, no Harry Nemo. Potter. The, no Harry, Harry, Harry Potter. No, no, no Harry Potter Harry, that year. Oh, the Matrix uh, movie, of, of course. Yeah, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty, X Men Two. And then this actually beats Terminator 3, X-Men, or Terminator 3, Matrix Revolutions, Cheaper Brother Dozen, Bad Boys 2, Anger Management, so on, so on. Chicago, quite big that year. Hulk, uh, Seabiscuit, Freaky Friday, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over, <laughs> uh, How to Lose a Guy Daddy in Daycare! Days. I actually like Daddy Daycare. You know, it's funny, actually, because 2003, that was a year that I actually worked at the cinema. And... Um, so I'd basically see every movie that was out at the cinema, like, I, you know, Lizzie McGuire movie, things like that. Yeah. Um, the one time I seen a Fast and Furious movie was Too Fast, Too Furious because it was at the cinemas. But I believe Old School just ended just so I, like, I, that was like the one I never saw. So I never got to see mm. Old School. Um, but like, there's just this, there's this group of movies that I know came out at the same time because I remember working in the cinema. So like, we still had The Matrix Reloaded, Lizzie McGuire movie, Daddy Daycare. Um, Pirates? No, that wasn't out at that point. Um, too Fast, Too Furious. Um, yeah, here I am saying I remember them, and apparently I can only yeah. remember like four of them. <laughs> and uh, I don't even really remember. Yeah, but um, 
Oh, I, yeah, that was I, I, that was one of my favorite jobs. My first job of my entire life. I loved it. Oh, Kangaroo Jack, $66 million. <laughs> oh, um, coming soon to Bad Movie Month, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, so, yeah, keywords and user reviews. Actually, one thing I just I read here in the trivia, the scene where Buddy eats different candies and pastries with the spaghetti noodles had to be shot twice because Will Ferrell vomited the first time. So, <laughs> yeah, you weakling. Um, be a man. Be, be a man, Will. Get your dick longer. Um, <laughs> so, uh, keywords. Let's have a look at those, shall we, in user reviews. Um, do, what do we have for plot keywords? Cartoon uh, Puffin Month? We could do that. You want to talk about Elf and the Swan Princess Escape from Castle Mountain and the Swan Princess The Mystery of the Enchanted Treasure? Why not? You know, actually, we Mallory and I watched Christmas movie during the week. We watched The Nutcracker, which, got to say, not very Christmassy, but um, <laughs> it was okay. It was a Disney movie, so, yep. Um, female in shower month. Can we do that? <laughs> I think you already have. Now, okay, let's right now. What would be the number one movie you would automatically Psycho. associate? Thank you. Not in the top four. Um, <laughs> what? Elf is number one, followed by Blade Runner, followed by the Daniel Craig Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, followed by Point Break. If I have to scroll down here, <gasps> blue is the warmest color. Is number nine. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait till we do that movie. You're not going to know what hit you. You're going to see things you've never <laughs> seen before in your life. Psycho is not on this list. What oh, the there's hell? something wrong with it. IMDb is broken. It really is. I'm not, I'm into the 40s now. And no Psycho. <laughs> Gosh. Um, anthro... Anthropomorphic. Thank you. Animal. Uh, drinking on the job month. <laughs> hey, cotton-headed ninny muggins month. I saw that, yeah. Featuring Elf. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no uh, Woman's Locker Room Month, Ben. Oh, yeah, I'm down. Elf, The Shape of Water, Carrie, and Teeth. Mm, yeah, no. Screaming Woman Month. Wait a second. Hold on, hold on. There is a fifth movie we have to do. <laughs> Nurse 3D, Ben. Oh. <laughs> Look up Nurse 3D. I Hang think on. you are going to be pleasantly surprised at the poster. Sorry, I say female nudity month. But, um, <laughs> ner- oh, what's this? Nurse 3D featuring... Um, oh, Katrina Bowden's in it. I like her. Um, Judd Nelson. Corbin Blue. Isn't that a type of chicken dish? What is that? She's like <laughs> naked with blood dripping down on her? I don't understand it. Um, all right, let's uh, female. What did I say? Naked female month? <laughs> this is our one kid's pick on uh, Christmas movie month here. Yeah. Uh, no, where, where did naked female month go? Uh, female nudity. Here we go. Uh, featuring <laughs> Vikings, Game of Thrones, Shameless, and Love Actually. Really? There's so many better nudity. Is movies. there female nudity? In, I mean, it's implied, but do you actually see nudity in Love Actually? Uh, you see the boobs when they're having sex. When the Remember that guy who's like bonding over the girl? They're like sex doubles in the movies. And it's like, oh, so how's your day been? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Martin Freeman one, yeah. yeah. They're having sex, Colin. They're not fighting. Oh, they weren't fighting. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, user reviews. I guess we go for the one stars on this one just because it's a beloved movie. Classic. Uh, Raul Landy, what the? After seeing this movie on TV, I was expecting to be the bottom of the list of worst movies. So I came here on IMDb to see there's a score of 6.8. How is that possible? The character of Elf is just stupid. The film jolts on long uncontrollable. Okay. Beyond Dumb, awful. A steaming pile of, well, you now, you know. 
Avoid if you have any intelligence. The worst of the worst. Zero stars. Was not believe. Was not believable. <laughs> Grovy <laughs> is sitting there going, "I want my elf movie to be believable. I believe in Santa, and I demand that it's believable." But no, this was not believable at all. Um, humbug. The film's success proves there are a lot of people on antidepressants. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Will Ferrell ruins Christmas. The worst movie I have ever seen. Worst film ever. These are pretty shit. Um, Hell F. Okay. Uh, what are you doing with this movie, Colin? I, I think I've probably been more critical of Elf than any person who's ever existed. Uh, but I don't want to, you know, lead people the wrong way. I'm still buying this movie. It's it's yeah. very enjoyable. Uh, it's just, to me, this is, I don't think this will ever be one of these Christmas movies that I have to watch every year. And maybe it is because I don't connect with the story at all. Or I connect with the story in the first half, and I really feel like they they kept the humor up in the second half, which is enough you know, to please an audience, but the story just doesn't work out in the end. Um, I, I would like to see a full director's cut if they ever film more footage, and if they didn't, then let's go back and fix it, Star Wars style. McClunky this. McClunky. Let's McClunky elf. I didn't think you were going to buy this. I thought you were going to rent it. Um, I'm going to buy it. I Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more on my second viewing. It's our only first. buy. It is. It is. <laughs> Did you not buy Jack Frost? No. No, I rented it. Ah, interesting. Well, this obviously comes out at number one then on our list. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. And I actually read here that Will Ferrell turned down $23 million to appear in Elf <sighs> 2. So it's crazy. Um, yeah. But, um, no, I, I think it's... Uh, I would watch this more than I thought I would next year for Christmas. But, uh don't know if I'm going to like, you know, I still have my other ones that I'll watch on top of this. So I think that means my final rankings then is this surviving Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the Grinch and Jack Frost. Wow. Surviving Christmas made a top two on somebody's list. And mine is Elf, Jack Frost, Surviving Christmas and The Grinch. Is The Grinch our overall bottom then? It will be. So three and four. Uh, Jack Frost wow. would be two and four. Surviving Christmas is two and three, and Elf is one and one. Wow, <laughs> jeez! So the worst Christmas movie ever made by some people's opinion, Surviving Christmas, ends up number two overall on our list. <laughs> it's Ben Affleck's dong. It's so it endearing. is. It's the power yeah. of his dong. The power of his dong. Um, <laughs> the power of his dong. The Ben Affleck story. <laughs> Um, that's, that's it for recaps We're we're done. Uh, our best of will be out in two days. I mentioned at the end of that, a few little things that are coming next year, but I guess kind of just looking ahead to 2021, Colin, obviously a lot of what we've had this year has been moved. I think we only ended up going through like outside of our regular, like anniversary and bad movie months. Like we had what one, the DC month we went through and was that it? Did we do another one? No, I think that's it. Because uh, Kong was rescheduled, Ghostbusters, Top Gun, uh, yeah. everything was rescheduled. Wow. So, um, I mean, we've got pretty much those hopefully to come. We've also got uh, The Matrix we'll be doing next year, which will be exciting because mm-hmm. uh, it's been a long time since I've seen number two and number three. And I remember being slightly defensive of those movies when everybody was bagging them out, particularly the third one. I always feel the third one got unfair criticism. when I, I, I remember walking out of the third one going, fuck, this is an <laughs> awesome movie. Um, so it'll be interesting to revisit those. Are there any other ones that I think that I'm missing off the top of my I mean, the big one I'm I mean, we're catching up on yeah. Kong and Ghostbusters, hopefully, if those come out. I think Kong at least is scheduled to come out now. Are we and doing, Bond. Oh, Bond, of course, absolutely. Um, and are we going to be doing anything in the lead-up to Snyder Cut Justice League, do you reckon? Or will we just do Wonder uh, Woman 84? Yeah, we'll probably do Wonder Woman 84, unless we don't have anything else DC to cover, really. 
we could do like the the non D like we could go and do Daredevil and we could do yeah like, no that's uh, a fun idea we could do Electra I mean, not, and <laughs> yeah those are those are Marvel but we could do like oh, the non DCU yeah. ones <laughs> we could do Green Lantern I've never seen uh, Green Lantern. Green Lantern yeah it's it's not good but we did Catwoman last year and um, I think we're saving the Batman's for doing all the Batman movies at once which was supposed to be next year Matrix replaces that in our schedule but. Uh, yeah, Superman and Batman aside, I'm sure we could fit in some of the other DC movies. Um, and then, you know, depending on how many things get rescheduled, we we definitely have ideas for Rene Russo and Brendan Fraser Part 2. Well, oh, yeah, and we've also, we'll be bringing back favorites, like Bad Movie Month, we'll be back, Anniversary Movie. Mm-hmm. We would, I think our first month off the off, straight off the bat is uh, Australia vs. Uh, Canada Month. Um, you know, other, other ones we've talked about, like Disaster Movie Month 2 or kind of like battle months where it's kind of like let's do the two volcano movies against the two yeah. asteroid movies uh you know jim carrey month we'll keep floating it you know it's something that we would love to do or even like we did movies we hate month maybe we need to do like a movies we absolutely love month yeah you you want to do scott pilgrim versus scott world pilgrim. so badly um you know maybe we can just do that like we can all do our top four movies like this month mm-hmm. it's colin's top four movies and this month it's ben's top four movies uh even though yeah. having said that i feel like my top four movies, we've done three of them, I think. We're, we're I doing think the most of mine year. we have too. Yeah. We're doing Ferris Bueller next year, aren't we, for anniversary? But we can month? pick from our list, you know, yeah. four that we have no excuse to cover otherwise. Um, and we'll just we'll tease one thing too. Uh, it, it was the 20th anniversary next year of a show that both you and I love mm-hmm. uh, that came in at number two on my list. And I, I don't know if it made your top 10, did it? Or? it? It didn't. It made my top 20. Right. Let's just uh, like 20 years next year of 24. And we tease a bit mm. of that on like when we did third watch and that there's something we would do. And Cole and I have actually started recording. Well, I think we're six episodes in into the first yeah. season. So we're going to bank a lot of those and see what we can do. And, w- and one thing I would really like to explore the idea of doing, uh, obviously last year we did a 20th anniversary third watch reunion episode because no one in the media wanted to do that. I feel it'd be a bit different for 24. I feel like maybe like Fox or somebody might do a 20th anniversary mm-hmm. reunion. But if if we end up getting anyone on the show from 24, we might be able to do like, even if we just had like uh, Janet. Penny Johnson, Gerald. Penny Johnson, Gerald and Janet <laughs> join us for the 20th anniversary 24. Like that would be epic to look at doing something like that too. And Colin... The big thing, and I'll talk a little bit about this in the best of episode. Next year, it is our tenth birthday of this podcast, of of the Oz podcast, right? Of of yeah. So we started off as Survivor Oz, of Survivor. course, back in two thousand and eleven. Uh, so I feel next year we will have to do a special tenth anniversary celebratory episode because wow. uh, obviously, as the Oz Network, we're, we're nearly at the point, Colin, where we're going to have been longer as the Oz Network than we were as Survivor Oz, which <laughs> is weird, but um. We no, it will be our tenth year in existence next year, so I think it's important to do something. Maybe we'll get Jillian back on as a kind of a trip down memory lane, mm-hmm. and we Billy, we did the, Bill, of course. Uh, remember last, remember at the beginning of this year when we did the Oslet reunion episode, and we yeah. did all those survive. We ranked the seasons. That was this year, apparently. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll be celebrating our tenth year next year, and uh, how we still exist, I don't know. Uh, I certainly don't know. I mean, the, the courts have tried to shut us down. Yeah. Uh, we are the podcast that you cannot kill. All because of you loyal listeners. Yeah. I pluralize that because there's at least more than one of them. Yeah. And uh, thank you to Lad Undercover and Chris Dixon and Patrick for being those three <laughs> that tune in. 
weekly. Uh, it's always been fun to bring these recaps. We will uh, bring you more. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in this year. Enjoy our best of in a couple of days. It's a doozy. It's funny. It's hilarious. And uh, Wonder Woman 84 will come at some point. Um, <laughs> I don't know when. Maybe this weekend if it happens. But uh, as I alluded to on The Mandalorian the other day, I'm about to get married. So... Uh, and today's reveal of who's Ben's wife's <laughs> husband is is Billy Garcia. <laughs> Hashtag marry You're back lucky Billy. <laughs> I'd marry Billy. Oh, who wouldn't? He'd <laughs> be a Candace. Can, can uh, we just? You know what? We can make this a new thing. Can you tw- quickly tweet Billy Garcia? Would you marry me? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> That's we can get the, his response in 2021. That's too far. Uh, <laughs> and also, if you've got a, an ongoing joke, we've had sand, it's coarse and rough and irritating in 2019. Noah's, uh, I was going to say Noah's Dude. gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, after not getting a date the whole year, I mean, it's possible. Noah can't get a date slash is racist was 2020. Uh, so 2021, we're open to joke ideas. So uh, what will our ongoing joke be in 2021? <laughs> Both our listeners will be thrilled. Um, <laughs> find out. This has been Elf. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Ben, and oh, you smell like cheese and bacon, and I can't remember the line. Fuck it, uh, McClunky. <laughs> and my name is Colin. Oh my god! Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.